0: The world is full of podcasts. Magic is waiting in weekly episodes.
1: And monsters might be danger or a friend in a fight.
2: But if you love a good crossover...
3: The adventures are just getting started. Are you ready to meet some new friends along the
4: way? This is the Storyteller Squad Expanded Universe. Hello, adventurers. Welcome back to the Storyteller Squad. Thanks for joining us for another episode of our Expanded Universe series. I'm joined today by my lovely guests from Memester of the Week. So before we
5: begin, let's check in with our heroes.
6: My name is Jason, and today I'm going to be playing Virgil, the constructed homunculus. Uh, And they go by he, they pronouns.
3: My name is Phil, and I'm going to be playing Mulligan Lake. Mulligan goes by he they pronouns. Oh yeah, and I'm I'm a gumshoe.
0: Hello everyone. My name is Amelia. I will be playing Echo and her pronouns are she her. And I'll be playing the hex today.
1: Hi guys, my name is Tyler and today I will be playing Lara West. Um, Her pronouns are she her and I will be playing a monstrous character.
4: I'm Natalie Fuina and I'll be your keeper of monsters and mysteries. Let's have an adventure. We begin this story on the waters of Puget Sound, sweeping towards the skyline of Seattle, a seaport city in Washington State. Following our camera as it moves swiftly over Seattle's waterfront district, we eventually arrive at Pike's Place Market,
5: a local tourist destination and open-air market famous for fish markets and cheese vendors and all sorts of local and sought-after grocery-type things. Pike's Place has changed in the last couple of years now that magic is a public knowledge sort of thing. And so we see deli folks who are little fairies flying together carrying a salami to the meat slicer and operating it in tandem to deliver people their lunch meat. We see a, uh, a large ogre with a headband ladling out soup to people, a different food shop. We see a uh, centaur and a satyr couple who seem to be working a bakery and are putting in large flatbread pizzas and pulling out loaves of bread from a brick oven stove that's on display in one of these shops. And we also see a little ways, not detached from the market, but not quite in the center of the bustle and hubbub, a small table where a scrawny looking fellow with uh, dark black hair kind of combed over one side of his face and a a raggedy looking jacket has a bunch of trinkets out on a table. And people come by and and look and he says, get them right here, I got magic wards. You need them these days, you never know. Curses are out there. They're going to get you. And most people ignore him, but some people get curious and they come over and they say, What does this one do? Oh, that right
2: there. Yeah, that'll keep you from uh, being petrified, you know, in case there's any sort of petrification going around. I hear the word about town. People getting turned into statues lately. Uh, And they say, How much? How much? For that, for you, my friend, $50, $50 for
5: that right there. And hey, make sure you never take it off. But as they are fishing to their wallet to hand over the money for this protection charm, a figure steps up to the table in a dark suit, holding a badge to a particular agency. Agent Lake, you know that this is Tanner Fletcher, an informant contact that you know in Seattle. You also know that what he is about to sell these people for $50 is a Happy Meal toy from 10 years ago. A He-Man special or something. Oh, yeah, I
3: remember that one. You know, it's weird that they brought back He-Man. The market wasn't that big. But, uh, yeah, that's no, that's that's a good one. I, I hear it, you know, actually, it'll probably go for closer to 65 <laughs> on eBay. So it's a, it's a bargain right there you're getting.
5: So wait, it's not magic?
3: It's, uh, there's there's a magic to
5: it, sure. You see that Fletcher, as you know them, is kind of shifting their eyes back and forth. Ah, friend, it's all right. You know what? Half off
2: today for you. Uh, it's no big deal. 25. 25 and we're, and we're good here. What the hell are
5: you doing, Lake? What are you doing in town? Oh,
3: you know, the usual. Here on a call.
5: Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Well, nice seeing you. And he grabs the table of trinkets, throws the like tablecloth up in the air, and it... <laughs> transforms into a little bundle on a stick, which he grabs, hops over the folding table, and then <laughs> leaps past you to run away from you.
3: As I start darting after my turn and say, you know, with, with like the shipping, you'll have to include that. That's probably gonna cut your profit down closer to, closer to like 20 bucks, sorry about that. <laughs> and I uh, begin the chase, which is not probably the most surprising thing.
5: No, nah. <laughs> This always happens when you track down Fletcher. He hates talking to you uh, and it's, it's always an annoying thing to try and get your hands on him.
3: <laughs> I wore my loose slacks today.
5: Okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you start taking off, weaving through the crowd, trying to get your hands on uh, this con artist as he sort of slips in and out and over railings uh, in between people who are standing, eating whatever they've picked up at the market. And we see he is just turns a corner to where there's like a fruit-vegetable stand. He sort of grins. He's like, ha, lost him. But crashing out of the vegetable stand, sending fruit and produce everywhere in a spray of color. We see a massive four-armed construct. Virgil, could you introduce your character?
6: When you see Virgil, the first thing most people see is the poncho, because Virgil wears a, a large, almost duster-like poncho. Uh, think, think like Tombstone, think Clint Eastwood movies because uh, this dude's ro- rolling around in a poncho and a cowboy hat. And then, after they notice the incredibly large swath of fa- fabric covering this, like, three-foot-wide colossus, then they start to notice that there are plates of steel and stone covering this the entire thing's body until they realize, oh, uh, that's just what this is made of. As they come up on, on our tricky little friend, They almost go into a four-legged sprint with two massive arms coming forward and then underneath you'll see uh, two slightly smaller arms that are just kind of supporting the body as they move forward. And I'm gonna just try and get in this thing's way and try and snatch him.
5: You go to grab for Fletcher and you do, you get your two middle stone hands on him Do you like sort of lift him up into the air or do you keep running while clutching him?
6: I think what would happen would be uh, I would like go into almost like a tackle. Like if you were tackling like a small animal to try and keep it from like getting away from you, essentially. Sure. One arm is going over and grabbing this guy around his waist. And then Virgil is rolling with it to try and like grab him and keep him in place.
5: Okay. Okay. You are able to observe this with your constructed eyes uh, that allow you to like break down, you know, experiences of yours into bullet time. As you tackle the con man, you know, fruit still flying and breaking against the earth and the ground and juices spraying everywhere. you got him, you've got him in one arm. He looks panicked for a second and then grins very slyly as his skin begins to be covered in a dark black It's interesting you called this trying to capture a wild animal because Fletcher (laughs) reverts into their true form, which is that of a like black lemur with bright red eyes. (laughs) Fletcher is a puka and uh, with his big pointed ears sort of turned back, he sort of grins, gives you a little salute and because he is much smaller now grabs his little bindle and scurries up and over your body and leaps off as you (laughs) crash into the pavement and people run screaming, (laughs) you know, big commotion being caused. But Fletcher lands in someone's like bicycle basket and says like, get me that way. The person's like, oh, what's going on? They ride in the basket for a little bit and wind up pulling out of the marketplace onto a busy street. And when the person finally like breaks Fletcher sort of leaps out the basket using the extra momentum and is like rushing across a crosswalk. When a car pulls up and stops just soon enough that it doesn't hit him, but we hear and landing on the hood of this car is a massive reptilian form. Lara, could you introduce your character?
1: You see this big yellowish-green reptilian person with somewhat feminine features, uh, torn clothing reminiscent of like Elliot Sattler from Jurassic Park, (laughs) Uh, so kind of like this button-up, some jean shorts, and just grinning wide razor sharp teeth and eyes like a almost a glowing amber color with a razor slits for pupils she is a paleontologist possessed by a reptilian spirit from a bygone age and this like form bends down towards this puka mm-hmm. you said yep puka person um and with a big grin she says okay you're right maybe this could be food
5: yay <laughs> Uh, And he scurries under the hood of this taxi that you've landed on, and tries to like slip through traffic as you turn around. Do you have like a long like raptor tail in this form too? I do. Yeah. So just that whipping behind you as you sort of climb over different cars, they get stuck in traffic as people are like breaking really fast as the lights are you know not informing traffic at all at this point with monsters running about. Lots of honking and "Ah, ah, what are you doing? Hey, get out of the road. That kind of stuff.
1: (laughs) I imagine Laura's like every time someone honks, she's like almost like ape-like dodging in this form, but also sorry. Oh, excuse me. (laughs)
5: Lots of apologies. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, you continue to hound Fletcher. And at one point, he slips out from underneath another car that's pulled over by the side of the road uh, and heads down an alleyway figuring that maybe he can escape by climbing up a wall or or slipping into a gutter or a downstairs basement or something. And as he slips in and starts running towards the back of this alleyway, everything starts to get darker around him. And stepping out of the back of the alley is our last and final Eastie agent, Echo. Could you describe yourself?
0: Sure. So Echo is essentially standing in the end of this little alleyway in kind of a pretty long not super form-fitting pretty flowing dress of kind of a like off-white sort of color her hair is black and very long almost down to her waist and she looks like she truthfully hasn't seen the sun in a very long time she looks forward and sees the little creature and she goes look mr snuffles a new plaything." and she takes her little bear and gently tosses it toward Fletcher.
5: And we see as the bear sort of tumbles in the air, it does one somersault, and Fletcher takes like a step back, sort of unsure of what the heck you're doing with this teddy bear. But as the bear's face flips up and over, its eyes are suddenly glowing red and claws are extending from the stitching, and it opens its mouth with the threads tearing apart. And Fletcher just, Ah! Freaks out, screams. Man, this guy's having
6: a fucking awful day. (laughs) 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 Yup.
5: He hates the EC agency. (laughs) And we cut out of the allusion to Fletcher having dropped his little bundle of fake magic trinkets and curse protection things. And it's just sort of clutching his head as he curls into a wall on the ground. And Echo, you walk up still holding Mr. Snuffles and your three compatriots joining us in the alleyway. And Mulligan, I, I forgot to ask you to describe your character, but we can have it happen now as you walk up.
3: Yeah, um, Mulligan, I, I mean, he, he's kind of tall, but not super thin. He's a, let himself go a little bit. He's got his hair sort of combed over. It's kind of like starting to bald. They're wearing like a loose gray blazer and gray slacks and like uh, a tie that has since been pulled off and the top button undone on their uh, lilac colored shirt and um, carrying a black briefcase as well from which they open it up and rifle around for a cassette tape recorder and uh, rewind it a second, listen to it, just make sure it's not over anything, stop it and then hit the record button and says, good catch
5: there. Fletcher peeks an eye open as the nightmare sort of fades in their mind and they look up at the four Eastie agents gathered here. Oh man, I hate when you guys come to town. And as we see Mulligan pull their badge from their jacket pocket and flip it open, our camera zooms in on the East Agency crest and we're gonna flash back very briefly to you guys getting your mission briefing back at the Eastie Agency. And so we see the crest that was in your little handheld badge fades and becomes the crest that is a big, massive six-foot sign in in the lobby of the Agency. Mulligan, you are walking into an office to meet your Handler, because in this one shot, we are using the Agents in Black team playbook from Evil Hat's new production, Codex of Worlds, Check it out. Thank you to Michael Sands and Evil Hat for letting us use this a little early uh, while we record. But uh, by the time this publishes, you'll be able to get Codex of Worlds if you didn't back it on Kickstarter. Uh, And you should. It's full of lots of fun stuff. And so one feature of the team playbook Agents in Black is you have a, a handler. And so you walk into the office of Lincoln Allstaff. Our listeners will remember Lincoln from episodes he's appeared on. But for you all, he is sort of a Gaunt, lots of bags under the eyes, young fellow, sandy hair that's sort of a mess of a mop on top of his head. And his uh, Easty agency like jacket, which is sort of standard uniform, is just thrown over a coat rack. And he's there with just the white shirt uh, and also a loose tie with his feet up on his desk. Uh, And he's flipping through some papers as you come in. And he says, ah, Mulligan, yes, come in, have a seat.
3: Uh, So what's uh, what's this one
5: about? Well, it's a little disturbing here. I, uh, he clicks on his computer and turns the laptop around to face you. And you see a video clearly taken from someone's phone at night near some docks. And he says, this is Seattle. We got uh, reports of some folks that coming in sporadically. But this is the third one in a week. So we think it might be a pattern. We're going to send you and a team up. Uh, but yeah, take a look and plays the video. And you just see some people sort of walking around drunk at night, laughing and carousing. But then you hear one of them sort of exclaim and the person filming turns around and we see the person who shouted is like tugging at their leg, which seems frozen in place. And then they start to really freak out and scream, help, 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 oh my God. And they reach a hand forward. And as their hand comes forward, the whole body... (coughs) becomes frozen as they turn to crystal and the whole group screams the phone uh sort of drops someone grabs it up the camera thing cracks and breaks and the video cuts out huh Lincoln closes the laptop slides you over your assignment papers and says pretty standard issue you have contacts in Seattle right you've been there before
3: yeah I've got a few people I think um are the Mariners playing this season uh, I yeah. I, uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter. I've got backups.
2: I really only follow the World Cup stuff, so uh, couldn't tell you. You know what?
3: That's fair. It's a lot more relevant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: hey, that's pretty much it. Oh, and uh, one more
5: thing. Your team. You think they're ready?
3: The Mariners. I, I mean, they're they're still shit.
5: <laughs> <laughs> he, he cracks a smile. He's like, now the other team, one without a lot of field experience.
3: Oh. Uh, um, I mean, we... I was hoping we could run a few more drills, but...
2: You know what they say, sometimes experience is the best experience.
3: You know what? Yeah, that sounds about right. I i try to live by those words, personally.
5: You don't reach senior agent by uh, running drills, so get out there and uh, we'll maybe get you in office like this someday, huh? Yeah, well, here's open. And so we will... Cut back. So just to update you all so you're all, it's all clear, you're here because there have been reports and now evidence of people who've been turned to crystal mysteriously by something in the city. So we return to the interrogation of Tanner Fletcher, the con artist puka from Seattle. <laughs> you know that Fletcher has their ear to the ground. They get around Seattle quite a bit, even in the less than scrupulous corners of the city. So if there's rumors about he probably knows about some of it. Uh, you guys are free to question this uh, person you've cornered. Hey, Fletch. Good to see you again. Sure, sure. What do you want? Well,
3: I, I hold up the, um, the, the, the He-Man collectible, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'd like to know a little bit more about this.
4: Come on, man. That guy's got to make a living. And people are crazy about hexes and curses and magic bonuses these days. But I mean...
5: It's, listen, it wasn't dangerous before when it was all secrets, so why should it be dangerous now? It's not my fault if people are gullible. Yeah. Well, th- it's I still mean, an exchange of a product for
2: money. If I upcharge and they pay for it, it's it's fair trade. Fletch,
3: Fletch, Fletch. I'm not a cop.
2: Could have fooled me. Well, you fancy suits and the badge and everything.
3: Come on, man, just trying to make a living like anybody else.
4: All right, alright. I can respect that.
3: I'm not out to bust you for this. What I wanna know is what do you know about the petrifications?
5: Listen, that was just a—you know—that was just like a, a little—you know—it was—it's—it's a, it's a bit. i, t- I tell the people that all the time. It's Petr- a petrification, uh, uh, you know, melting, uh, uh, transmogrifying—that sort of thing. People turn into frogs. I tell them whatever I think's gonna get them by a thing. Honey you roll manipulate because Fletcher is definitely being dodgy. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, that's a—that's a twelve.
5: Whoa. Okay. What do you do/slash say? to get Fletcher to finally stop being annoying. <laughs> uh,
3: I I pick him up by his scruff, like you would pick up a like cat. Like a,
5: a wet cat, yeah. Yeah,
3: just like the scruff of the neck.
5: Ah, what are you doing? Get <laughs> off!
3: Come on, Fletch. For me.
5: You see, he scrambles for a bit, but finally, like, deflates, looking at the, the raptor and the automaton that's... You're, like, eight feet tall, Virgil, Yeah, right? it's,
6: like, seven foot tall of just, like, yeah. stone and steel. <laughs>
5: yep. And this spooky witch lady with the teddy bear, and he's just like, Oh, fine, fine. Some guys were talking down by the docks. People are turning into, like, you know, the things you see in uh, a okay, cage jewelers, like, crystal, crystallifying this sort of thing. So, um... It's uh, it's bad news, but it's not like it's an epidemic or something like that. Bit too much of a pattern, though. Well, yeah, sure, but I mean, I, listen, I had nothing to do with it. I've been clean. Well, sort of clean. I've been cleaner than when you knew me when I was working for King O. All right, he left town a while back, and I've been I've been doing other odd jobs since then.
3: To let you know our arrangement, I'm not out to. I'm I'm not selling you out here.
5: I don't know. I've I've heard things about the Easty Agency. You guys have taken a much more proactive stance these days. I had a buddy in Portland, they they booked him for life draining somebody. It wasn't much, a drop of blood here or there. Now
4: they're finding folks for that shit.
3: Yeah, well, I would love to keep it that way. And, you know, the more you can tell me, the more useful of a source you are, the easier it is to sort of let this kind of behavior slide.
0: Echo reaches over and grabs Mulligan's sleeve and she's like, I like this guy. Can, can I keep him? He's really cute.
2: Don't let us stuff me, Lake. Don't let us stuff me.
0: Ah,
3: uh, well.
2: I don't know who you are, Mr. Snuffles, but rest in peace.
0: <laughs> you know, we're,
3: we're kind of a new team. I kind of have a hard time keeping them in check sometimes.
1: Laura pipes up from behind. Uh, uh, can, can we eat
6: him? If you eat him and then she stuffs him, then she'll just have two toys. I think that that works out for everyone.
0: This is a great idea.
2: I promise I told you everything you know. Don't feed me to the dinosaur lady or that weird witch.
5: And so Fletcher just sort of freaking out at this point. You gather that he probably doesn't know much more than just the rumors going around that people are being petrified. But at this point, you hear the telltale sound of, woo several police cars are starting to pull up and officers are getting out and setting up a perimeter around this alleyway and out of one of the cars a uh, sort of rotund gentleman with yeah, it's, it's pretty thick like caterpillar mustache, gets out of the car and storms over and he says, do you people have any idea the sort of mess
2: you caused down at Pike Place? What, who are you? What are you doing?
5: Sorry,
3: officer, you know, I was trying to keep this a little bit quieter. Um, it's, it, it, I, I apologize. Quieter?
2: You could have
5: fooled me. There's a whole fruit stand that's in shambles. Who's gonna pay for that? Are you, what? what? And he starts glancing around. He sees you're like all strange creatures. He's like, oh no.
3: I start I start reaching into like my inside pocket of my blazer and I flash the badge real quick and yep. put it away. And I'm like, I'm sure we can uh, send that to billing.
2: Easy he just throws his hands up. Jesus, Mary Joseph, I can't believe it. The freaking HD agency coming into my block again. <laughs> you people got a lot of nerve coming in here. Why do you never come into my office first?
3: Listen, we'll be out of your hair real quick here. We're just actually wrapping things up. So um, are you
2: shaking down that citizen? I don't care what they were doing. You got to go through proper channels first.
3: Citizen, no, this is this is my pet lever. (laughs) Sorry, you know, every time he gets away, it's a bit of a chase. He's kind of slippery. Did he give us like a general location? Did he point us in a direction? What did we get out of him again? I I was-
5: Fletcher mentioned that down by like the docks and the piers, he's been hearing a lot of these rumors. Okay. Which is consistent with the video that you got from your, your handler, Lincoln. But right now you got Commissioner Gibbs down your throat. <laughs> yep. Cause he can't stand it when the AC agency comes in and makes a mess of his city. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> So to reiterate, the Commissioner now is in a heated argument slash just berating your team leader for all the collateral damage that you all caused, which is part of your team playbook, if I'm not mistaken. But either way, it plays into the narrative that you guys are new and uh, not used to this yet or at least not being subtle. You you definitely caught your target, but now, now the local authorities are here and as has been the case. Across the country and across, I guess, the world, because it wouldn't be contained to just the U.S., local governments and things are running into the issue of their paranormal defense groups coming forward and now needing to handle and argue about jurisdiction with the mundane.
1: I think Laura in her reptilian form will turn around and then shapeshift back to human form. Mm Mm-hmm. And in like a flurry of like wispy red and green and yellows, we'll kind of just swirl back. And normal person but with like torn clothing. Sorry about that, sir. Um, we'll be careful. Probably. You call that careful. Oh my gosh.
2: I have a two year old who's more careful than that.
3: Oh, do you have any do you have any pictures of her?
2: Of
5: course I got pictures. You think I don't have pictures of my kid? He pulls out his wallet and falls open with twenty four pictures of the <laughs> same kid in different
3: outfits. Oh, she's adorable. Oh, I love the baseball, yeah. It's <laughs> kind of bold for a two-year-old, but I
1: like it, yeah. Empower them young. You just see Laura, like, cough and, like, adjust her collar for a second. <clears throat> no, we cannot eat his child. <laughs>
5: <laughs> you mutter under your breath. Virgil, you're the tallest. How's, what's your sharp?
6: Uh, it is a zero.
5: Okay, so not very sharp. Who has the highest sharp? Let's go around. I have one.
3: I'm sitting on a plus
5: two. I have two. Okay. You're talking with the commissioner, uh, Agent Lake. So, Echo, you notice another car pulls up. And this is sort of a larger, just like black SUV with a very low number on the license plate, indicating it's someone attached to local government. You watch as uh, a couple of people get out. They look like they're just like standard security with little earpieces and dark suits and sunglasses. other person who gets out of the back seat approaches this group. You know, the officers kind of put a hand up, but as soon as they see this gentleman as he steps forward, they go, "Oh, all right, yeah, you can come in if you're if you're going to come speak to these people." Uh, and you see a sharp-featured young man with a very like tight-trimmed beard and sort of uh, just slicked hair, a little bit of a wave, you know, and. Uh, very very light suit sort of like a teal ascot uh, maybe it's like a, a light gray that he's wearing and he comes up and as the, the commissioner is sort of getting off track talking about like how his kid picks up her Legos better than the mess you guys made <laughs> this person steps in and he says uh, commissioner please let me handle our guests in the city I'm so glad you're all here Easty agents." Uh, and he puts a hand forward to shake Whoever's hand is closest says, "My name is Prince Shallan, city chief of paranormal affairs."
0: So Echo uh, takes Mr. Snuffles' little fuzzy bear hand and like extends it <laughs> to his <laughs> hand.
5: <laughs> okay, yeah, he will uh, give you a quick a once-over and then shake the bear's hand. A pleasure. He's not bad. Boy, am I glad to see you. You heard of me? Uh huh. Yes, of course. He he sees Fletcher. Uh, Sort of trying to creep away. Should one of you be doing something about that? Uh, He was uh, breaking the law, yes? Selling counterfeits? He's, uh,
3: we we weren't really taking too-
2: Counterfeits? We got a counterfeiter? Get him, boys!
5: And (laughs) the officers run forward and scramble after uh, Fletcher as he tries to escape, but there's enough of them here, and it's a dead-end alley, so there's nowhere for him to go. And so they, they take him in, and he's like, I know I should have never talked to you God. I hate when you come to town, Mulligan. You're
2: never going to hear the end of it.
5: <laughs> They put him into one of the police cruisers, drive him off. But uh, Shillan says, Commissioner Gibbs, please. Uh, my office will take care of uh, the cleanup. Don't pester our friends. I'm sure they're here for a very important purpose. And he gives you a look, Mulligan. And he says, uh... There have been some disturbing occurrences in our fair city of late.
3: Yeah, that's why we're here. That's kind of why we were talking to your friend there. We weren't so much taken interest in his... Um, I press a button on the little <laughs> trinket and it starts playing like the meme song from E-Man. <laughs> yeah. We weren't so much interested in his wares as much as um, his information.
5: Well, I'm glad I made it here in time to catch you before you continued your investigation. Please, you must come back to my office. I have more information I can share and uh, my assistant may be able to help you.
3: I think if you hadn't gotten here, we would have been getting chewed out by the commissioner for probably the next few hours, so I owe you one. It's my pleasure to help out the East,
2: agency. You guys are doing such good work out in you know the greater country and it's good to have your help here in
5: the city. We are in the midst of a, a large, uh, planning stages for a festival tomorrow. Uh, so these rumors going around, we, we can't have them causing a panic and people not show up. It's, uh, it's very important that we have the, the paranormal, magical, and mundane communities come together. It's the only way this sort of emergence since the Revelation is uh, is going to work.
3: We'll see what we can do.
5: He gestures at the car that he came in. He says, uh, we can ride in my security detail, please. Uh, although, hmm, you're a large friend. I will call you an Uber. Uh, and he calls you an Uber XL, Virgil, because there's no way you're fitting in that car with everyone else.
0: Does he get the helicopter one?
6: <laughs> Virgil like, leans over to Lara and is like, I think he's talking about you. <laughs> Sorry, buddy.
1: Um, I can make myself smaller. So I can go with you. I mean, if you're lonely. Yeah, no, that'd be nice.
6: <laughs>
1: Best not to split too hard anyway. Best to do two and two. True. And she takes out a little cloth and kind of wipes some fruit off of Virgil. There you go, big guy.
5: Oh, <laughs> Yeah, there's a bit of uh, like watermelon, just like pulp. <laughs> you gotta get out of the way. You know, when I think about it, I
3: really
6: didn't need to go through
3: the stand. I could have gone around. Well, we'll keep that in the notes. It, it did look really cool. You live and learn, buddy. No better teacher than experience for getting experience or, you know, whatever it was.
1: No better experience than experience, that's
6: right.
3: Yeah, hit the
1: nail on the head. Um, as Senor Prince gestures us so, um, I would like to use my reptilian senses to kind of sniff him a little bit, kind of get a read on this guy.
5: Sure. Is that a thing you have to roll for?
1: I gain plus one to investigate a mystery when I use uh, my alternate form superior senses. Okay, so. then
5: it would be investigate a mystery.
1: Okay, roll it. Uh, Investigative Mystery is also sharp, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I have one sharp. This gives me plus one, so plus two total. Okay, that's an eight.
5: Okay, that lets you ask one question.
1: For my question, for the where did it go question under Investigative Mystery, can I convert that into past tense? Like I'm trying to get some sniffs, so like where has it been?
5: Like where, where the prince is coming from?
1: Yeah, like, do I notice any unique smells coming from his person to indicate where he had come from?
5: You are able to pick up, or rather as you like take in the scents, uh, just in the air and focus them in on Prince Shilan, view here in your mind. Sense of paperwork at
2: all. This one has come from City Hall. Scent of human. Though he's gone, more akin to Seedragon. Mm.
5: We find you all pulling up to the Seattle City Hall, and Prince Chelan gets out of his car, they take it away to parking. Uh, And he leads you into the building and up towards his office. It's a corner office on the upper floors. And on first impression, the room seems like a mix of executive office and a naturalist's study. There's just lots of natural looking objects in different display cases or on pedestals or mounted to the wall in this office. And then a very like simple but dark wood desk sits facing away from large vista windows. Uh, that open up onto the skyline of the city. But inside as y- as you walk in, Jelana sort of ushering you all in, you notice a nearly ink black silhouette is in the room even in the bright sunlight that is sort of pouring in through these large windows behind the desk and this figure turns and you see bright gold feline eyes framed with jet black fur and shades of gold eyeshadow. Uh, they greet your group and this cat shifter who, again, ink black with a very fitted blazer and skirt and large pointed ears and gold-like cuffs and accents on her, her outfit. And this person speaks up and they say, Ah, Jalan,
4: I pushed our 11 o'clock meeting with the department back to the open slot at 3, but any later
5: and we won't have a chance for another check-in before the festival. And Jilan uh, says, Right, Iris, uh, it's all right. I know everyone is working hard. I'm sure it will work out, but clear my schedule. I want to be at the disposal of our friends from the Easty Agency, who've come to look into the unfortunate happenings near the Waterfront. Hey everyone, this is Iris Bashir. She is my assistant. She says, I will uh, work on clearing that out for you. Uh, do you need the room? Yes, that'll be good. Uh, and bring some refreshments for our guests. I'm sure they're thirsty. They just were in a, a foot chase, so... I don't believe any of you got any food while you were there. You must have been on the on the clock. Yes, if the caterers have brought lunch, please bring it up for us. And she goes and leaves and he sits down at the desk. Echo. Read really a bad situation. Okay. And Laura, why don't you as well? Okay.
0: So that's eight and then
5: plus sharp, which is two. So ten! Nice. Uh I got a seven. Okay. So one question for Lara and two questions for, or no, uh, three questions for Echo. You don't have to spend them all at once. You can save a couple if you want.
0: Are there any dangers that we haven't noticed?
5: Active dangers, you're not sure. As you look around the room, you start to notice that the like natural objects that you first like assume like, oh, he's got an appreciation for like local flora and fauna. You actually see that several of them Having grown up in the Eastie Agency as you have, you recognize them as belonging to various cryptids and magical creatures. There are shards of a broken unicorn horn in a glass case. There is the skull of a lake creature, sort of suspended against the wall like a you, know, you would mount uh, a fish you'd caught or something. There is a large talon just an enormous, you know, two, three-foot-large talon thing suspended on a pedestal, and near that is a sort of bell jar, like a vacuum-sealed thing, and on that is a pile of ash with one flaming feather that looks like it might have belonged to a phoenix at one point. There's a, a wall where there are glass cases, and in one of them looks like a pair of wings, but with no butterfly between them, just the wings, tacked in like a bug collector might have. Or then next to that, is sort of a a tattered seal coat. And you get the feeling that you you just notice that there are all these sort of, maybe wouldn't call them trophies, but they're certainly displayed and have come from various cryptids. It's giving Hunting Lodge. Yeah, specifically Monster Hunting Lodge.
0: (laughs) So uh, I don't feel like I would ask any more questions for right now, but I think Echo kind of just, like, takes a moment to look around the room and just, like, blurts out, this guy collects a lot of things.
5: Prince Shillan glances at your eyes, scanning the room, and he says, Ah, you've noticed the reminders I have around the room. Yes, these are to remind me that people in my position here at the city, if we are not able to make it work, this is what happens to magical people at the hands of humans when they are scared. And so I know it's a bit morbid, but it keeps me focused on the mission. And it is a, a valiant mission, I think, trying to get folks to accept uh, the magical world and, and people like yourselves out doing, doing work to protect everyone from the more dangerous elements and even petty criminals like that uh, that puka that you apprehended this morning. Laura, what question do you want to ask for Read a Bad situation?
1: Man, if we were playing D&D, that'd be the fattest insight check of my life. <laughs>
5: That's not a mechanic.
1: <laughs> yeah, Laura, you know, kind of embracing the reptilian instincts in her brain is trying to game out what the best way out of this situation is. Yeah,
5: what floor are we on? It's one of the upper floors. It's uh, it's not any of the like marble domed buildings that we have here on like the East Coast. It's much more like new because it's West Coast built. If you had to get out, you could just leave, I suppose. Uh, And there's four of you, you know, Shalon is one guy. Um, but I will say the thing that your your reptilian friend picks up on is a poster. Now this is not part of the collection, as it were, or the reminders, as Chelan has called them. But this is a just a framed photo of a. It almost looks like a tropical environment, and within this zone are these strange, almost alien-looking plants that blossom into large. Colorful flower arrangements. And uh, you hear in your mind, Long it is I felt
2: alone, but here I see a glimpse of home.
5: And you glance at this photo on the wall, and it says in the corner, Taken at Chihuly Gardens, which is a, a museum slash art exhibit in Seattle, where the artist Chihuly makes a bunch of glass sculpture uh, in the shape of fanciful and inventive uh, sort of plants and that sort of thing.
1: Laura will take a step towards the poster and just kind of bring her hand up to it but not touching it and say, huh, it does
5: feel kind of homey, doesn't it? Like, just out loud. Chelan says, uh, you have exquisite taste, uh, Miss Agent. That is uh, one of Seattle's most popular tourist attractions. Perhaps if you can get to the bottom of this case, you'll be able to visit. It's It's spectacular, I must say.
1: Oh, and she Kind of blushes and pulls back her black hair. Is, is that an invitation?
5: I would be happy to accompany you there if you would like, but I think we probably should focus on the matter at hand. And he takes out like a, a manila folder uh, and different files that he lays out on his desk for mostly you, Mulligan, to take a look at. I assume you're sort of the one up close and, and at the table.
3: I start taking an interest, thumbing through.
5: As you can imagine, as uh, uh, you're know, being in the position I'm in, I'm very busy. Uh, with community events and things like this, but when rumors of you know upsetting magical events come through, it, it eventually finds its way to my office. and so I, I do take an interest. I've had the local uh, harbor patrol doing uh, sweeps of the waterways since all of these disappearances/ transmogrifications seem to be occurring near the water. Uh, so we seem to think it's uh, some you know some kind of aquatic uh, creature
3: yeah my first thought was like a sea basilisk or something
5: but, perhaps you know. yes i mean seattle is on the water though so it's a, a large area to sweep and uh the favor i pulled with the commissioner today that could set me back uh weeks in terms of my uh, currency around here and politics being what they are you know I'm, I'm doing what i can for the community i i really think there is uh, a chance for it for to benefit everyone you know, magic is a wonderful thing, provided it is regulated. There's plenty of legislation that we are trying to get put through to protect the mundane citizens, but also to you know protect the rights and the freedoms of our paranormal population as well.
3: So we just have three cases so far. I'm just sort of like transitioning into sliding more into business.
5: There's been a little less than a dozen, actually, at this point. It's been happening for a couple of weeks. I see. So it might be that he has more cases that you didn't know about that have been being kept quiet.
3: Yeah, I'm definitely taking an interest and I'm talking aloud as I'm looking any sort of uh, pattern between the suspects or the victims rather, did they they know each other? Did they have any common associations, common enemies that we know of? Were they people of note?
5: No, they all seem to be rather uh, innocent uh, bystanders, as it were. No connection that we can make out other than uh, being around the water. The time of day seems to fluctuate as well, although most people seem to have been attacked at night. There were a couple during the day, but uh, it's very hard to track down people willing to testify uh, having seen a monster.
3: Right, well, these things tend to tend towards the the night anyway, as you know.
5: We do, actually. Uh, we have been collecting the victims. We have people attempting to try and revivify them, uh, if it can be done at all. But uh, right now we are keeping them in the coroner's morgue.
0: Can we go there?
5: Uh, absolutely, yes. Uh, Actually, uh, Iris's wife works there. We could certainly set up a meeting uh, if you would like to investigate that.
0: Echo does a little bit of a mildly excited dance about the possibility of going to the coroner's office.
6: Just like a little wiggle.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just just a slight wiggle, but no other response. (laughs)
3: Uh, Before we get going, just just one more thing real quick. And I'm going to use just one more thing. Of course.
0: Yes, Um, thank you.
3: (laughs) I'm going to roll uh, plus charm and then I get to ask some extra questions based on the result. I love that you have
5: that move. It's a fucking great move. <laughs> so good. Your your handler, Lincoln, is actually a Columbo rip. So he's also got the like, just one more thing kind of a deal. Excellent. So
3: I am sitting on a it's four plus three, seven. Uh, that's, a, that's a mixed. What does that get you? Uh, I would, uh, I'm going to say... Is this all you have on this? Do you have anything off the books? What kind of investigating have you done into this? I'm going for uh, what is something you left out that you didn't want me to notice under the list on my uh, playbook? Okay. You know, it's trade of information, agency to agency.
5: No, ab- absolutely. Uh, we would not want to hold anything back uh, to get in the way of you getting to the bottom of this. I'm actually quite proud of the, the state of supernatural uh, activity in the city. We've kept uh, a very, very low crime rate uh, amongst the population, especially once we were able to get King Octopus out of this territory. I was very, very much involved in uh, his removal from Seattle. Once his element was cleaned up, we made sure to step in with community outreach and that sort of thing to prevent uh, someone coming in to fill the power vacuum. So this is honestly one of the first really unchecked And the continuous problems we've had uh, sort of as a serial event type of thing in, in quite a while, there are local folks who used to handle this sort of thing before magic went public. But my department and the task force under Commissioner Gibbs have been working to try and reduce the involvement of groups like Las Mortas in these sorts of cases. If we want to successfully transition to an orderly and peaceful magical society, we can't have vigilante groups running around without any oversight or accountability. The important bit of information there is that you now know that Prince Shallan was apparently instrumental in getting rid of King Octopus, who you would know. King Octopus is a
3: callback, I'm guessing?
5: Yes. Uh, For listeners of our show and and to let you all know, King Octopus is a crime kingpin who now operates out of Portland, but who used to be active in Seattle uh, and was kicked out. And it seems like Prince Shallan was a big part of that. I see. Yeah. You would know also there is an agent Whitaker back at the home office who is very much invested in trying to take down King O. He's just one of those like people that they just don't have a strong enough case against yet. And they're still trying to find like the right angle to come in and get him. So.
3: Gotcha. I'm going to slip him my card and say, all right, well, if anything comes up, obviously keep me in the loop. It's in both of our best interests. And, you know, once we get this resolved, I think I'd. Love to keep up a little bit more about uh, what you know about King O and all that.
5: Absolutely, yes. And I am at your disposal. I have cleared my schedule, as you heard. So I'm happy to accompany you and take you to uh, the coroner's office. And about this time, uh, the door opens and Iris comes in. She's got like a box of like pre-made sandwiches. Iris, we're going to see uh, Jamila. You should be happy about that. Uh chance to see your wife during the workday. Can you get us an appointment? Uh, and she kind of... <sighs> Yes, of course, uh, sir. Uh, would anyone like food? Then she goes and like offers you the, <laughs> the box of sandwiches. Oh, actually, that looks
3: lovely. I have not eaten yet, so
5: much appreciated. Uh, y- yeah, great.
1: Nice to eat you. I, I, I- uh, meet you. Yes, please.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Eyeball emoji.
5: You you just see the whiskers of the side of her face kind of bristle slightly, but she she moves on after you take a sandwich and hands one over to Echo, and then pauses in front of Virgil and. Um, do you require, or...?
6: Um, require is a strong word, but um, I I do like eating the little sandwiches. (laughs) (laughs) And you see, like, from under the poncho, the smaller hand reach out. (laughs) And take
5: a sandwich. She she says, please, I can eat later. Take mine as well. You look like you could use it. Oh, wow.
6: Oh, it's absolutely the two smaller hands reaching out of the poncho, grabbing the sandwiches, and then the large left hand tipping the hat.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: <laughs> Much obliged, man.
5: Of course. And so she will fold up the box, toss it out, and uh, lead you guys out of the office. And it's a quick skybridge walk over to sort of the, the like forensics department, I guess. And uh, you guys will end up going down an elevator into like a basement area where it can be kept cooler, easier. Virgil
6: eating the sandwich. Mm.
5: Hot damn! Is that
6: chicken and tuna? That's great.
3: <laughs> I think I got a. Uh, I think I got an Italian actually. I ate like six. I don't know.
5: <laughs> I was gonna make the joke that you like accidentally grabbed the veggie one, and Old Sesh is just like, <laughs> "What is this rubbish? <laughs> Why is there no flesh? <laughs> <laughs> what is this rabbit food?" You come down to the coroner's office, the door is open, it's very cool and air conditioned down here. Iris presses a, a like a, a security code into the door and like unseal. And you walk in past those like hanging plastic things that they use in, in rooms and spaces like this. And you see hanging from this metal apparatus above the like examination table where there's a cadaver in the midst of a post-mortem. This apparatus suspends lights down and just projects it throughout the room, but hanging from it is this slender, avian, feminine form, covered in brown and gray and white feathers, and they turn their head as they hang upside down from two big taloned feet, just sort of suspended over the body that they're working on. When she sees Iris walking in with your group, she flashes a big smile full of sharp teeth and then climbs down from the perch that she's on using her feet talons and then also these like hooked fingers that sort of extend out of the joint of winged arms and just gracefully touches down on the floor. Very vulture-like uh, as a quick fun little detail. And she says,
4: You don't normally surprise me at work. What's going on?
5: And Iris comes forward and she says, uh, Marhaban, Habibti. It's good to see you. These are people from the ISTE agency. They're here to talk about the crystallized people, the Harpy. She kind of pouts. She's like, mm. so more business then. I'm sorry, I'm sorry.
4: It's just it's a very busy time with the festival tomorrow. And- All right, well, if you're here for business, we should get to it. Welcome, agents. My name is Jamila Khalid. I am the head coroner. Follow me this way, please.
5: And she goes and opens a door to a secondary room because the crystallized people are not going to fit in the like drawers for bodies that they have in here. What you walk into is sort of a macabre but glittering and beautiful display of what would at first glance seem to be gemstone mannequins uh, of various people frozen in place. uh, Most with like expressions of horror, disbelief. Some look as though they might be knocked unconscious like they're on the ground and sort of like a you know the silhouette of like a murder victim pose but in general they are all very finely polished and in some cases faceted gemstone figures and like i said there's a little under a dozen here of the people who've been attacked recently Mm.
6: yeah virgil's going to take like He's going to lean down and look through the doorway and see that there's a lot of crystalline figures in this room. (laughs) And he's just going to
5: like stand back and say, I'm just going
6: (laughs) to let you guys go ahead and go in. I'll hang out out here.
5: Jamila sees you hesitating. She's, oh, they're not fragile at all if that's what you're worried about. And she kind of like, tink, 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 like taps on with a a long taloned claw finger.
3: Best to probably keep your distance anyway.
6: Yeah, Virgil just (laughs) gestures to its entire, you know (laughs) (laughs) whole deal. And Mm. they're just like, Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna be safe for this.
5: Suit yourself. I appreciate your respect for these victims
0: echo uh takes inspiration from this and walks forward and also begins knocking on various sculptures throughout the thing she's mm-hmm. looking around kind of kind of knocking on them and then she looks down at at Mr. Snuffles and she's like Mr. Snuffles which one is your favorite I like this one <laughs> you snap off a finger <laughs> <No>. oh god <laughs> <laughs> they're they're not that
5: delicate. <laughs> they're people sized, you know? Like a, a rock this thick would be hard to break off with like just a tap, you know.
1: is looking at a pe like a shiny piece of, of metal, like kind of looking at herself and like pointing, and she's like, You can see her arguing?
5: Sure. There's like a raptor reflection in
1: the in the polished chrome of a cabinet. And she's like, No, no, we they're cadavers. We can't eat them. And then there's like a pause and she's like, they're not carrion. We can't eat them. Oh my God. And no, I'm not going to ask the harpy woman her phylogenetic history. We have to focus.
0: <laughs> I love these intrusive <laughs> dinosaur thoughts that you have.
1: <laughs> she, like, straightens out her shirt and, like, walks away from the piece of metal.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Prince Jalan is sort of discussing with Iris and Jamila. Have there been any new attacks? Any recent additions? Any new updates I can give to the people keeping track of the cases? And they just sort of are uh, talking amongst themselves so they know each other and they work together. Uh, but what would you guys like to do here to investigate?
1: Maybe Laura in her paleontological background, which uh, for the listeners, if you would like a degree in paleontology, you do have to study geology. So she's going to try to analyze, observe the crystals, try to try to get a beat, what that's about. Maybe takes out a, a small tool, starts tapping on it.
7: Mm-hmm.
3: I have a move called Occult Confidential, where the first time in each mystery that I observe a monster, minion, or phenomenon in action, I can ask one question from the investigative mystery list. Does this count?
5: Um, maybe.
3: Or would we want to hold that back for something a little bit
5: I mean, this is a phenomenon. Juicy. It's the aftermath of a phenomena, though, so I don't know how like yeah. insightful it would be, but you can ask me a question. I'll, I'll see if I can answer it based on like what you would have available.
3: Well, OK, based on what I have available, what does this inform me on what sort of creature it is? Because um, I, I'd like to get a little bit closer of a look at like the type of material, mm. the method, like seeing where it starts, if there's like a, a, a transference, like a physical contact, like a wound mm-hmm. where the crystal seems to begin.
5: Okay, yes. So looking around, I mean, you're an experienced field agent. You've seen lots of uh, supernatural you know, victims in your day Uh, because that's the purview of the East Agency. This is unlike anything you've ever experienced or anything you've ever heard your other, like, veteran agents talking about. Most modern petrification cases, like you said before, come back to things like basilisks, cockatrice, occasionally, uh, you know, a a gorgon taking advantage of or, or victimizing people for whatever reason. And that all involves the people being turned to stone. But these are gemstones and like perfect crystalline structuring. And while the people look uh, panicked and frightened, they don't appear to be damaged in any way. There's no cuts uh, immediately apparent in texture. They're not in general like clutching at any part of them as if they're like, wounded specifically in that point. It's just sort of either like, oh my gosh, like looking at what's happening to them or like reaching out for like help or scrambling for a phone or something. And you can see that like the clothes are part of the crystal structure, like backpacks, shoes, and, and I'll even say like someone's phone in their hand has been fully <laughs> into crystal. Just anything that was like touching them or part of their person at the time. Uh, seems to have been affected by whatever magic has caused this.
3: I'm whipping out the little mini cassette tape player, and I'm just muttering comments into it.
6: Miss Jam, I have a question. Yeah. So from the constructed, I have the move Awaken Object, mm-hmm. where I share my animating force with something, and it will be treated as a extension of myself. hmm The idea that I'm having here is could we reanimate one of these people to consciousness so we can have a first-hand account of what they experienced.
5: Sort of a speak with dead maneuver? Yeah, essentially. You have picked up on the clue I've set down for you, Virgil.
0: <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yes, absolutely. You can attempt this. Uh, is it a thing you have to roll for? It is a thing I have to roll for. Oh, damn. Okay. Mulligan, if you want to like have this thought or, or Virgil as you're like standing outside like be hit with inspiration like, oh wait, I could do this thing. You just sort
3: of creep in while
5: nobody's looking and like reach for the nearest one. Well,
6: I I also have hide in plain sight. So when I stand still, no one pays attention to me because I just look like a statue.
3: You like try to reach out to somebody to say that you have an idea, and just nobody's looking or
6: listening. Yeah, I scare the hell out of people all the time because I'm just like, I start moving, and they're like,
5: "Oh shit!" Yep, because I mean it's pretty silent, right, around you when you hold still, and then like you're not breathing or anything, and then suddenly it just <laughs> the steel and metal and rocks move again.
6: The Virgil's like, "Oh wait, hold on, actually," and is grabbing the top of the doorway so they make sure they don't like hit their head because that would probably break the doorway. And and so Virgil kind of like crouches down, gets into the, the room uh, and goes over to the nearest person that seems uh, maybe the least panicked. Okay, wait, I think I can do something here for you. Uh, and they clap their hands together and you see on like, they have steel like plates on the back of like what their hands would be. And you see along that, you just see like alchemical symbols light up as they access their animating force. And they're going to just like lightly touch the body of one of these victims and try and animate object.
0: If you fail this roll, do they just fucking shatter into a million pieces?
6: <laughs> no, that's a different spell from d Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> okay, so five and two plus two. So that's a nine. Okay. Uh, if anyone wants to help me out, we can go to a full time. I was
5: gonna say, Echo, do you want to help out?
0: Yeah, I was thinking about that because also, you know, I've got like, like uh, my my good old psychic brain powers too, yeah, so I might taps. be able to <laughs> to help, yeah, help stabilize tap. their thoughts <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to be able to communicate. So. Okay, roll help out. All right, awesome. Uh, that's an eight.
5: Okay, so that's that's, that's enough. An, yeah. Exposed to trouble or danger, I will think about that break off a finger. (laughs) (laughs) No. I think in the spirit of this, since this is sort of bringing someone back, you see Virgil's magic touching, you know, the the frozen form of this person stuck in a stepping away motion. Their face sort of twisted up in like shock and, and surprise. And you see the energy from Virgil's hand enter this form and sort of dance about and ricochet and you know, move throughout the interior of the crystalline structure, such that it starts to create a little glow at the center of this person uh, as it continues to refract in on itself. You see almost a, a shine in the eye, the way that like they show in movies that like someone is alive versus not. Uh, that wasn't there before, despite the you know gleaming surface of the crystal. But because they are made entirely of locked crystal, they don't seem to be able to move. So you you reach out with your your hand and, and sort of access your telepathic abilities, and the very first thing that happens when you you like touch this person uh, is just you hear a scream in your head, and you will take one harm of like psychic feedback, right? But you're then able to extend some of your telepathic abilities to sort of calm the emotions of this a victim down to a, a more subdued state where you could now ask them questions about what happened to them.
0: So do we have like a specific guideline for how we want to go about asking the questions or like...
5: You have two hold left from a successful read a Bad situation that you can still spend.
0: Well I guess a good thing to start with would just be what's the biggest threat in the situation? So <laughs> what gotcha? <laughs> for lack of a better question. They say
5: some kind of energy beam, like a laser,
0: a disco laser.
5: It was shiny and refractive, and it hit me when I was on my run over by the space needle.
0: So, is everybody else able to hear this, or am I just the only person that can hear it? And I'm relaying the information to
5: I think if we want to lean into your like haunted, you know, character aesthetic, it's sort of your touching this person and like you're mouthing the questions quietly and then like you know this person's voice is projected out of you as your eyes are like glowing and hair standing on end Yeah.
6: if I can add like one addendum on that Uh her voice is coming out of her mouth but the voice of the crystalline person is coming from
5: Mr. Stuffles
0: <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Virgil, but Stuffle's just good too. That's great! I love that.
5: Yes, yeah, so it's got like a like a voice box kind of thing going on, where it's all like scratchy and garbled. Yeah, delicious. That's fun.
3: I I'm over with the cassette recorder the moment something starts happening.
5: Absolutely. So apparently, some kind of you know light beam hit this person.
0: Some sort of light beam. Okay. Disco light. Extended. I don't really feel like there's any other questions from this list that like makes sense though, for the, the uh, situation. Yeah. So so I, I, I think from, at least from investigative mystery, I like the question of like, where did it go? So maybe not necessarily where did it go, but-
3: Where did it come from?
0: Where'd she come from, Cotton Eye Joe? Where'd
3: she come from, Disco Laser Joe?
5: <laughs> they they continue, and I'm gonna pair this with uh, something for Laura as well. Because you hear Mr. Schnuffles talking out the voice of this petrified person as they describe It it had a lot of arms, like it was all arms. It was mostly arms, and uh, I don't know where it came from. I was, like I said, it was at the Space Needle, near the gardens, Um, and it came out of nowhere. And then that laser, Uh,
0: can you help me? Uh, maybe, I don't know yet, but I'll let you know if we can.
5: Laura, you hear in your mind from old Zesh, Many arms and weapons of light. A
2: creature ancient like me sounds like.
1: Um, yeah, that does sound interesting, don't you think? Just out loud. <laughs>
5: Something you want to share. <laughs> Prince Shallan is just watching you all work your Eastie Agency weirdness on this case.
0: Are we are we fighting like a biblically accurate angel? Is that what's going on right now? <laughs> I hope
5: so. <laughs> Guys, I think uh We're
3: probably dealing with some sort of ancient creature. Well, I can tell you it's certainly nothing that I've got any sort of records or experience on.
1: I think we should go to the gardens.
3: That's not a bad idea. If it's something... uh, Sorry, why do you think it's ancient? Oh, because Old Zesh told me so. Your your raptor brainchild thing.
1: It... He is not a child. It's over 122 million years old. So, if anything, <laughs> okay. Okay. okay.
5: okay. Shallan says, "Oh, well, the gardens are near the water, and uh, an ancient creature might have mistook it for uh, the tropical home from long ago."
1: I definitely feel that way.
0: If we're gonna go, let's let's go. I guess. Uh, and she like kind of talks to the the victim trapped in the crystals. So. We might be back later. Um, have a n- nice day, I guess. Uh, see ya. She just, like, <laughs> drops it and just, like, walks away.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: What a horrifying experience.
5: Yeah, it's pretty terrible. Uh, Virgil, if you stop your reanimation magic, you cancel extending the life force that keeps your form moving from, moving beyond your form into this person. And as you do, that, like, glitter in the eyes just sort of vanishes again.
1: Are they, like, very clearly dead or like are they
6: in like a a form of like stasis from what i understood we awakened them at the moment of their freezing Mm -hmm. and so this person froze was still screaming woke up had a wild conversation (laughs) and then went back to screaming (laughs) nothing i guess yeah i mean they're back in the in, in crystal dream world trauma
5: yeah Jalan said that they were trying to help them, but, you know.
3: Yeah, and I guess we are
1: in a morgue. Right, that doesn't bode well, normally. Yeah, you know, if you're sick, you don't
3: go straight to the morgue. Forecast, not good.
5: But you're you're here in town now. You can maybe stop more people from becoming petrified.
3: Well, gardens, I think, are, if you're right about the, um, the ancient connection, that's a stronger lead than I've got. Wait, uh, since
1: you're our, like, leader... How do we refer to you? Like you're you're our, um, uh, so like superior officer. So like oh, you
3: can, you can just call me Mulligan.
5: I mean, the thing in the EC agency is quite often agents will refer to them themselves and each other as their last name.
4: I'm Agent Whitaker.
5: I'm Agent Spiegel. I'm Agent Ross. You know, it's just lots of last name references. But if your team is much more familiar, you good. I mean, you have two people on the team who I don't think have last names, right? So
3: no last name. Nope. I'm fine with just Mulligan. Mr. Lake was my father, and the agent feels a bit too formal.
5: First name basis for this team. Yeah.
3: Yeah, Mulligan,
1: um, I'm not sure about it, but Old Zesh seems to be quite sure. So I trust it, him. They. They. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Do dinosaurs have gender? In Jurassic Park, no. <laughs> that,
3: that's not for us to decide.
5: True. Life finds a way.
3: <laughs> Life finds a way. Um, let's, let's give the gardens a peek and then I guess head over to the space needle. I think that's going to be where we get the meat of it. Cause that's where presumably, well, that's at least where this victim got, got. So
5: Chalon pipes up is you're in luck agents. The space needle is right next door. <laughs> it's very convenient. <laughs> I, I do love the idea that we're at city hall. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, that's like a three minute walk, man. Like, well, the, the, I mean, what he means is the Space Needle is right next to the gardens on the water. You are not close to it now, but like the two locations are, are nearby each other.
3: So, M- Mr. Chief Prince Shallan, are you planning on tagging along with us all day? Like, do you, are you sure you don't have any other obligations?
5: As far as I am concerned, this case should take top priority now that we have reinforcements from your illustrious agency. So I am happy to be your escort uh, to make sure you get there quickly and do not run to any sort of interference from, again, the local authorities or uh, the security there at the museum. Oh, you know, Mulligan, I,
1: I think it's okay. I think Mr. Uh, your Highness can stay here and prepare for the festival. I don't think that's necessary.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, y- you know, if you insist on tagging along, that's perfectly fine. But... um. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we should be able to, to, to handle our own um, as we as we get going. And, and we wouldn't want to put you at any risk.
5: He, he straightens up, please, agents. I am quite capable of handling myself in dangerous situations. He turns to Iris, the cat shifter. Is my schedule clear for the afternoon? And she kind of opens a little tablet and just does one swipe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mr. Shillan, and so is mine. I'm going to take my wife out to dinner. <laughs> 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 the harpy kind of her feathers like bristle, like, oh boy. <laughs> oh no, well, if,
3: if it works out for everyone, then yeah, okay. I wouldn't want to deprive you of your evening.
5: Allow me to at least get you into the building uh, for your investigation. I can wait outside. I do not need to uh, intrude on your agency work. We would appreciate that. You guys will head over to Chihuly Gardens. You guys go with Prince Shallan, and it is really only 10 minutes away. And you see the spire of the Space Needle rising up above the city. But once you get outside the actual gardens, you do see there's lots of topiary and very landscaped and manicured vegetation and plants. And then again, amongst all that is a lot of glass sculpture are very colorful and have lots of banding and different spotted textures and all sorts of intricate shapes. Very alien in their appearance, but also reminiscent of existing flowers uh, that we see today. As you approach, Ult uh, Zesh continues to like limerick off in your head about, you know, the the beauty of ages once lost.
1: It's like that Neil deGrasse Tyson meme where he's like getting
5: overwhelmed
1: by so much
5: <laughs> <laughs> Yep. But you guys arrive, Prince Shallan speaks to like the the operators and it is close enough to closing time that with like a few greased palms, he's able to say like, please, for the agents, uh, before they lose the light, could you close a little early today? Something about the maintenance, I'm sure you could make an announcement. And so it goes over the intercom like, guests of Chihuly Museum, we ask that you please leave for an unexpected maintenance curfew, blah, blah, blah. And so people start to file out so that you have the run of the place and without other visitors standing and taking pictures and sort of reading plaques and things. It does now feel like you have arrived on a sort of alien world as you walk the abandoned hallways of this exhibit. But Jalan will stay at the front desk and he says, I'm going to a conference in uh, with some of the people I had to skip meetings with today, but call me if you need anything. I'm here to back you up.
3: Sure. Yeah, that's very kind of you to help us uh, get, a, get the situation under control. We'll catch up with you in a bit here.
4: What do you do, hunters? Well,
3: Once we're out of earshot, as we're poking around, hey, um, let's get a temperature check on chelan real quick. What are y'all's vibes?
1: I think he's a sea dragon. I
3: think he's a sea dragon.
1: Yeah, old Zetch, I wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't do so well in English lit in university. So all the rhyming, you know, you kind of have to work through some of it. But he did, um, did say something about him not being so human. And potentially being like a, you know, I don't know if it was like a metaphor or not, um, how those things go in poetry. But something about a sea dragon when we first saw him, so.
3: Interesting. That is worth taking into account. I I, I, I take a note of that on my cassette recorder, because, you know, what we're looking for is ties to the sea, it sounds like, so.
0: Well, I... I don't know if I personally trust him very much because he had all of those things in his office. And like I like collecting things too, but ninety eight percent of all of the things that I have are like ethically sourced, but I don't know if all of his were necessarily ethically sourced. Do you know what I mean?
3: Yeah. It's kinda it's kinda fantastic to believe that he stumbled upon all of that just randomly.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's impressive, but also maybe not good.
1: Yeah, he said he said that he thinks magical beings and such are people, uh, worthy of respect, and instead of giving them, like, burials, he's keeping trophies of their skulls in his office.
3: Also a little sketchy. Yeah. Virgil, any thoughts on it?
6: It's odd that someone in his position of power would want to dump All of the responsibility just to tag along with us. Seems like he's keeping a closer eye on us than is necessary. I don't know if he's here to necessarily help catch the culprit. He said that he was a large part of taking on King Octopus.
7: Mm -hmm. But
6: I don't know. I don't know this man. And I know that he's an official who is either here to make sure we don't find something that he doesn't want us to find or perhaps just here to be able to make sure that he gets part of the glory when this is solved very insightful
3: yeah and as you know my first instinct is always interdepartmental cooperation never comes without a price he seems awfully forthcoming for someone of his position
6: yeah i've dealt with plenty of glory-seeking hunters trying to buddy up with sam and i and you start to get a smell for them after a little bit
3: yeah let's stick together as we as we search too. i think splitting up may be a little bit unwise um but let's do a perimeter real quick and search for any sort of breadcrumbs and echo if you get any vibes uh Laura, if, if your if your raptor creature starts saying anything that sounds relevant, you know, weigh in. Don't keep that to yourself.
0: Okay, uh, I mean, if you guys want, like, I could I could curse him. Do you guys want me to do that?
3: I th- I think maybe, and I could I could eat him like right now. We could the eating. We we shelf that. You know, I don't know why I said it. I'm I'm sorry. No, no, no. We're like I said. Everything's on the table. Those, Those
6: are all good options if we need to handle this. But mm, right now, I don't think Eastie wants more of a cover-up.
3: That makes sense, Verge. Yeah, it'd be a bit messy.
0: Um, May I use a cast the bones move? Sure. Cool. So Echo is going to... From the back of Mr. Snuffles, there is a zipper and she just... Opens up Mr. Snuffles and pulls out just a collection of small bones from oh. inside of him.
6: He can be your bag of holding. Yeah, you he can is just, my bag of holding. You can just pull like nonsense out of there.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like he's there's there's like a little snack pack in there, too. But like, so. Some every, fruit roll-ups. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she just. Pulls out these little bones from from the back of Mr. Snuffles and she scatters them onto the floor to do a a reading of just this place and generally what's what's going on in here. So that is, I am relatively sharp, I think. Yeah, you have two. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's five plus two is seven. I get one. Oh, okay. Not, not a fail. So, hmm. Okay. What can kind I of gain from this person, place, thing, creature? Who has touch this person, place, thing, creature before me? Or one or question one from investing in mystery. Yeah, I guess I could do that. Okay, I would like to ask about what is being concealed here? Is there anything that we should be seeing that we're not seeing?
5: Hmm. You cast the bones. Where is everyone else in this moment? Are you guys sort of huddle around waiting for Echo to get her reading, or are you sort of casing the place separately?
3: Personally, I'm waiting for Echo to weigh in. Um, I'm just letting her do her thing and I'm poking around and looking at plants.
1: Laura kind of doing something similar, not super far away, but like shuffling around, smelling things, looking at the glass. Uh, What kind of plant is this type type of thing?
6: Yeah, Virgil tends to stay towards the back of the group to be able to provide backup because he's a guardian. That's his purpose tag. So he's kind of keeping an eye out just for everyone in general. So he keeps everybody else in sight, uh, but kind of stays in the back.
5: Okay. You examine the bones as they fall forward Echo, and you see they arrange themselves in a very interesting pattern. And as you know, someone who can interpret these things, if you have to shift a bone here or there to make it form whatever it is you're searching for, that's well within the, like, mysterious soft uh, system of premonition that you're employing here. You sort of close your eyes, you move your hand forward, trusting the the technique, and you shift a couple bones, one or two, not a lot, but just a few to just sort of what feels right in the moment. You open your eyes and you see before you a star laid out, outlined by the bones. And then you notice that the light is forming a shadow in the middle of that star as well like perfectly within the shape
0: so a star with a light in the center of it
5: a star and there is a perfect shadow of a star also in the shape that the bones are making
0: okay mm. hmm <clears> hmm <throat> i'm not sure what to do with this information
5: <laughs> you want to look around
0: yeah where did
5: a
6: shadow being be cast from is my question like my brain question
0: what well i mean yeah Wait, what are you, what are you, are you trying to give me a hint here? <laughs>
6: no, no, that's just-
3: You're just, imp- you're
0: just thinking, oh, okay. I'm like, I'm am I just stupid of- and I'm not figuring
3: out? <laughs> How's it coming Echo, what you, what you got? Um,
0: well, you can see it right here. Do you see this star? Does that mean anything to you?
3: I'll I'll uh, I'll head over and take a peek.
5: You see the bones arrayed in a star shape. And then, like I said, a perfect star shadow within that outline.
0: I mean, Echo is also going to look up, see if there's anything that's actually casting that shadow directly above her.
5: When you glance up, you see the skylight ceiling of this place letting in the like, you know, sort of dipping rays of sun as it's now been most of the day. You've spent dragging down Fletcher, going to the office, checking out the morgue. You're here right around closing time, starting to get to be sunset hours. You don't see anything up on the ceiling at first, but then you do make out a sort of star shape up there on the glass where it's almost mirage, like it's not quite in line. The like metal scaffold that holds the glass in place, it sort of clips out of alignment here, there, or it's a little wiggly in a different spot where it's like not quite perfectly, it doesn't look right in a star shape up there.
0: Okay, Echo looks up and then she also like points Mr. Snuffle's little bare hand upward. And she's like, what is that up there? Do you see that? That does look
3: like something, doesn't it? Hang on. I'm gonna pop open my briefcase, open up this side compartment in there and whip out a tiny little drone Mm -hmm. with a GoPro attached using one of my other assets. Okay. And uh, I'm going to fire it up and I'm gonna say, I don't know if it can get that high. It was a little on the cheaper side, I'll be honest, but uh, I'm going to see if I can get it up there and take a closer look. And I'm going to remote control my uh, my drone up to try and take a closer look at this shape. Okay, yeah. You set it free into the air. It takes off. And- I control it through an app on my phone, yeah. which I'm... Not proficient at, me. <laughs>
5: <laughs> so it, it wobbles and jiggles and, and you know stutters, steps its way up towards this yep. strange distortion on the ceiling.
3: And I, I, I'm the whole time swearing like, God, why couldn't we just have an analog controller?
5: I will let you know that uh, the tech, like the head of the tech department, Prithi Devan, back at the agency, mm-hmm. when you asked for like a handheld remote control, just said, "Get
2: with the times, Mulligan. Things are changing, and you better
5: keep up." <laughs>
3: It'd keep up easier if I had response time.
5: They mentioned their friend Agent Whitaker, who's like sixty years old. Whitaker's <laughs> able to do the drone thing. I don't see why you have such a problem with it. Always with fucking Whitaker. <laughs> <laughs> we see Virgil
6: like in the background, like in a line, complaining, like. I can't use these touch screens. I don't have. It doesn't work. Can you please just give me something with a button? For the love of God.
3: I can't touch.
6: They offer you a glove that's got like the the it's like the a haptic glove. Yeah. Haptic. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and, like also he like just holds up like his two massive hands. He's like, I need something a little bigger. <laughs> so we at least have to get it down to the, the tinier set. And like the tiny, the smaller set comes out, which is like a normal human size hand. Yep.
5: <laughs> but you fly the drone up to this this thing, and. Up close, you start to see that even the clouds are not quite the right shape, and the sky sort of continues to like shift colors a little bit. It maintains the like shade of orange the sky is becoming, but it shifters a little red orange, then a little yellow orange. It's just sort of rippling across this star shape. And as the drone gets up close, 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 and that buzzing nee! gets up there suddenly there is a bright orange that appears at the center of this star shape and a disco laser emits and strikes the drone and you hear it and it struggles and dropping to the ground and shatters into a a bunch of tiny crystalline pieces you all watch as this star shape on the ceiling kind of And dropping down with a slam that shakes some of the glass plants, ding, ding 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 ding, like wind chimes, is this large and now color shifting and texture changing starfish creature.
4: Oh no!
3: Oh, that's no sea dragon.
8: Adventurers, thanks so much for listening to our Expanded Universe series. These special episodes featuring our friends from other podcasts is sponsored by Many Worlds Tavern. Many Worlds Tavern is an online coffee and tea company offering a wide range of coffee roasts for your game night and tea blends for your tabletop shenanigans. Their brews and blends can help you and your players stay focused, energized, and transported via aromas and flavors to the different settings of your tabletop games. You can find the link to their store in the episode show notes. Like Natalie and Durs, I'm more of a tea girly, so I was really stoked to try a few of the flavors many worlds offers. I'm just gonna say right off the bat, they all smelled incredible. But at the end of the day, my personal favorites are Nectarine Stream and Sage's Gate. Nectarine Stream is an incredible fruity white tea blend that doesn't need much added to it to be enjoyable. I really love brewing it for an iced tea because it's so refreshing and light. And it's a low level of caffeine that's more than enough to get me up and going during the day. And when I wanna get chill, like snuggle up with my dogs on the couch and get ready to long rest kind of chill, Sage's Gate has become my go-to. This blend of sage, mint, and lavender is so soothing, and it's my favorite to sip on when writing out session recaps. But Mel, you might say, those are some of their least caffeinated options. What about the caffeine? What about the energy? Where's the coffee? And I hear you. Luckily, I'm married to an eldritch being who is only fueled by caffeine, so I had my husband try a few of their coffee flavors. Unsurprisingly, his personal favorite was Great Old One, a dark roast blend with notes of dark chocolate and almonds. It's perfect for keeping him sustained through drawn-out mundane morning meetings. If you're looking for something a little extra, their flagship product, Treasured Realm, features a limited release of a new single-origin coffee roast on the first of each month. Each order comes with a numbered card, a limited edition sticker, a fully illustrated D&D 5e magic item, and a set of dice. You can order a single purchase as a special treat or subscribe and build your treasured collection as they come out. They also have a wonderful giving back program that donates $1 from every bag sold to support gaming-related nonprofits. If you order with the code STORYTELLER, not only will you get 10% off your order, but you'll be supporting our efforts to collaborate and promote companies like Many Worlds who we really enjoy and who have been so gracious in sponsoring the Storyteller Squad. Whether you need coffee for a game night or tea for the tabletop group in your life, check out Many Worlds Tavern. Our coupon code will only work for the first hundred of you lovely listeners to use it, so order fast. Take care, adventures. Bye!
5: Lara, you hear in your head,
2: Quickly, allow me to take over you. For that there is a Yahoku.
1: When it drops down almost instinctually, hearing that from Old Zesh, Laura crouches down into like superhero pose like on one knee and then this guttural growl, concealed within my flesh, bring forth the primeval Old Zesh arches her back upwards, and then in that same flurry of, like, red and green, yellowish smoke changes her form into the the reptilian visage. Zesh charges forward.
5: At this point, your poor khaki cutoffs and like button up are a mess.
1: <laughs> yeah.
5: We could say she's got like some kind of like one piece, like you know Hulk. Yeah, she <laughs> so he has seen Hulk spandex yeah. over
1: there. Yeah. <laughs> I did forget to characterize this earlier. Uh, Laura does not wear shoes. Right. Yeah. So full raptor screech and scream charges forward towards Starro.
5: Okay.
3: <laughs> uh, well, looks like we're going. Somebody should. Probably give her back up. She's just charging in again.
5: That's a kicks and ass roll for sure.
3: Here we go,
1: dice roller. That, ladies and gentlemen, when adding my weird bonus, because I have unholy strength.
5: Uh, that's a thirteen. Wow! What a bonus uh, option you're gonna take? Oh my god, you're right.
1: The previous game, I don't, I don't actually win these a whole lot. So you don't
6: win these a whole lot, and you hardly ever. Actually, kick some ass. It's normally like magic rolls.
1: Yeah, also true. So, extra effect. You force them where you want them. I'm going to pounce claws out. I do have better claws, so two harm hand, and then I have extra one harm on that, so three. So
5: three, okay. And then
1: all my claws out, and my, uh, Theropod dinosaur toe claws digging in and like the force of my body pushes them closer to uh, Virgil and echo.
5: Nice Lara, you leap onto this starfish. Your claws do manage to dig in and rake in, but you notice that it's a very tough hide. almost like there's little bits of coral and crystal that like cover this thing's form. Most of your harm gets through and uh, yeah, it stumbles around kind of cartwheeling almost. You have to sort of hold on as it inverts you for a moment. Then you come back up around and uh, it does it rolls towards the rest of your group. What's everyone doing?
1: Can I ask a question really quick? What does Old Sesh know of a Yahoku?
5: Yahoku is uh, a amphibious prehistoric starfish monster cryptid kind of a thing. I mean, you know from the person who you talk to in the morgue, that laser is bad news if it hits you. Other than that, uh, it normally wouldn't really be having like this kind of an issue because it normally lives around coral reefs and we just sort of hunt there versus up on land, but it can travel on land uh, and would like inhabit volcanic sort of rocky small oh. islands kind of a thing.
1: So it petrifies them in like a quartzy crystal and then consumes them.
5: More defensive, honestly. Oh, okay. It, it didn't eat any of the people that crystallized. It was just sort of a, a, this is how this thing defends itself from predators and that sort of
1: thing. Oh, and now I'm killing it. Okay.
5: <laughs> An extinct species, oh no! You did not suffer little harm as your pick So you will take harm as this thing rolls around and one of the tentacles comes in and like slaps at you. Whatever armor you have, you can apply, but a tentacle slap is too hard.
1: I have battle awareness from the professional playbook, so I'll reduce that by
6: one. Virgil is going to run up on this starfish and just reel back with one of his large right fists and try and give this thing an uppercut.
5: Cool. Yeah. Time to be a big hulking robot.
6: Okay, so that is a five and a six plus two.
5: Another 13? Yep. Wow. Okay, what bonus are you gonna take?
6: That's an excellent question. My fists do two harm. Two harm hand forceful are the tags. Okay. And I'm gonna give plus one forward. I'm gonna give plus one forward to Echo because like this starfish has been pushed forward and now is being immediately like pushed back. It's kind of off kilter. And so I think we can give plus one forward to uh, another hunter here.
5: Okay as you slam one of your steel, rocky arms into this thing's core. That bright orange light from its center is sort of this like amber gem. And as you punch and lift this thing, Laura, you can hop off as Virgil is just sort of sky-punching the starfish up into the air. And it flies off your fists and starts to spin around. And as it does, it extends all the arms out at once. And a beam Shoots down at you, Virgil. You will be hit by the crystallization ray on that fist that sent it skywards. Ooh, okay. Now, this is going to trigger a series of act under pressure rolls. Go ahead and do your first one. Uh, act under pressure is plus cool.
0: I hope you're cooler than I am. I think my cool is a
6: zero. No, my cool is a minus one. <laughs> it's about to get real cool. Yeah, it's about to get real
5: cool real fast. Stone cool. Okay, so that oh, is a seven. Make success. The laser glances off one of your, your the plates on your large, like, punch and fist. Echo, you have a plus one forward from Virgil, so you can do whatever you want.
0: Okay, cool. I think... Let's see. So, I have two rotes, and one of them we decided to call Delusions of Grandeur. <laughs> Basically by doing like a small uh, ritual, I can potentially give plus one forward to everybody in the whole situation. So I feel like that would be very helpful. Sure. Echo is, once again, she's she's still sitting on the floor, even though this giant, you know, starfish just yeeted itself into existence, but she's, oh, she's chill.
5: Completely unfazed.
0: Yeah, she's just sitting on the floor. So she reaches back into uh, Mr. Snuffles and she pulls out some dried Narcissus flowers. And then she also... We also need a spilling of blood, but how are we going to go about doing that without it seeming bad? I
5: said you could have like a little necklace that you just like pinprick your finger on or something like that, you know? That works. Some kind of pendant. Or maybe... Oh, is it like a little... Oh, no. (laughs) Is it a thing you keep in Mr.
0: Snuffles? (laughs) Oh, my... Okay, this is really messed up, but... (laughs) What if Mr. Snuffles I had like sewn in actual little teeth into him, like little oh. little fangs that I can mm-hmm. just like prick my thumb on? <laughs> so he has these two little like animal fangs that I have like sewn into his little little mouth. And so she takes her thumb and she just brushes it against it real quick and then pushes the the blood from her thumb into the flowers and tosses them up to use this this move. I'm weird. Yeah, yeah. You're three. I'm plus three. So that's that's 12. a twelve. <laughs> Amazing. What color are the flower petals? Uh, narcissus are. Um, oh God, I think there's multiple colors, but I think mainly yellow is the yellow and white.
5: You prick your finger, throw the scattered petals into the air, and a gold twinkling takes effect over everyone's vision as Echo extends this like confidence aura into your minds through her telepathic connection to you all you all get plus one forward including you I think it would make sense that you get another plus one forward technically you had a 13 on that because you got plus one from Virgil so like so,
0: again I have a plus one
5: <laughs> Mulligan You in particular are seeing your team do really well, and I imagine that's a big confidence boost for you.
3: Yeah, I am actually loving to see that because this is exactly what their wheelhouse has that mine does not, Mm -hmm. but one thing that I can do is, provided that this counts, Mistkeeper, as observing a monster, minion, or phenomenon in action. Absolutely. Uh, I get to ask a question from a Mystery. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking I'd go with, what was it going to do? It's like, what is it doing here? You don't just see a creature from the Cretaceous period hanging out in a garden every day. Yeah. Yeah, so what can I glean about why it's here? Something doesn't add up.
5: What you can glean Yes, it is odd that this thing from the Cretaceous is here. That is for sure. The other thing you know is that until you went up and like bothered it with your drone, it seemed to be just like chilling out on the ceiling. And you also know that everything, or every person that it turned a crystal, it did not like then go and shatter or attack, it just seemed to like free someone, the other people ran away. And then there was no other like event related with these different incidents. Seeing your team do so well, but this being a very strange new creature, I think you would know that to find out more, you're going to need to rely on Maybe you're psychic, or maybe you're person with the raptor spirit possessing them, who seems to know a lot about ancient spirits. Yeah. So you could potentially ask either of them to like look into this a little bit more. But at least from what you personally can see, this thing is now attacking you and your group uh, after being disturbed. Yeah. And I will say that pulsing, you know, crystal at its center, while it is mostly orange and amber colored. It occasionally, there is like a little flash of red lightning within it. And I'll say you can pick up on that as you watch this thing engage with your other agents. And that's different than the, like, crystallizing shot it sends out.
3: Ah! Echo, can you get in its head? Can you figure out why it's here? It seems like it's only attacking in self-defense.
0: Yeah, way ahead of you.
3: Yeah, I'm going to back away and then fiddle with the, the strap on my nine millimeter that I keep under my coat. Okay. Just awkwardly pull that out with shaky hands. I was never the best shot.
5: Mm-hmm. Do you want to fire at it? You still have plus one forward since that move doesn't require a roll, right? It doesn't. You can wait. You can do something else.
3: I don't know that I want to. Yeah, I, I don't know that I want that I want to kill it necessarily. So I'm just sort of like watching the situation play out and maybe moving a bit towards Virgil to try and assess whether they're going to die.
5: Mm-hmm. Like if you wanted to like position or like affect the battlefield layout or like, you know, whatever. Yeah. It might be like act under pressure just to like, to weave in and out of this fight that's now occurring between a titanic homunculus, a big starfish and a raptor. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I, Essentially, I think what I'm trying to do is just benefit the others as they're doing their things. So I'm, sure. I'm probably taking like help out, etc.
5: Okay, yeah. If you want to wait and use a help out, if it comes up, we can.
3: Yeah, I'm trying to call shots basically, try to make everything work better.
5: Yeah. Echo.
0: Yeah, so I am gonna go ahead and use magic to communicate with something that we don't share a language with, which I would assume that I do not speak ancient starfish. You do not.
3: (laughs) Oh, it speaks Japanese actually.
0: Oh great! Oh good. Seven plus three, it's still ten. Yep. Yay! Ten. Damn,
5: that three was weird. No glitch. Do you stand up or are you
0: still sitting? No, no, she's still sitting, she's still sitting. <laughs> <laughs> just this little cross-legged lady in the white dress and the teddy bear, I love it. She has she has moved uh, Mr. Snuffles to her shoulder and she is just sitting and staring up at this thing. And she essentially says like, um, excuse me, Mr. M- Mr. Starfish, are you okay? What's going on? Why are you here?
5: So you ask, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Reach out psychically into this thing's consciousness if it has one. And what you get back is at first sort of a bunch of just like shrill sing song sounds, but it eventually coalesces into emotions rather than like speech. And what you get from it is Home gone, home destroyed, so much different, lost. Can't find where I belong. People, people are scary now. People too loud, so much
0: noise makes me angry. I can relate, honestly. Everything is too loud.
5: The angry almost has a double voice to it. Like suddenly that word comes through as language and it's this sort of whispered feminine voice going, angry, wrath, destroy, rage.
3: Is this also coming out of Mr. Snuffles?
5: No, it is not, but Mulligan, you do see that while Echo is sort of looking at this thing, her powers are active, so you see her hair kind of flowing ethereally for a moment. That gem in the center crackles with more of that red lightning, like a plasma ball and kind of subsides after a moment and back to the orange as it continues to brawl with Virgil and Lara. Echo, that was a separate consciousness or rather the influence of a separate consciousness within this thing.
0: Interesting, hmm, huh. I have another idea from, a, from, from the use magic thingy, but I don't know if it would work in this situation because you can also use magic to like banish a spirit or curse from a person, object or place it inhibits. But like, I don't know if we need to banish this thing or if we just need to like separate the two.
5: Hold that thought because as much fun as I want you to have with magic and it's a very fun idea, this thing is moving around and it's coming at you and you're gonna have to get out of the way as we transition over to Laura or Virgil as you guys continue to like physically deal with this thing's threat.
0: I think I would like to just like as a last little thought to the uh to the the lovely starfish friend, I would like to say like we're not trying to hurt you, so could you please quit trying to kill us? Thanks. And she <laughs> stands up with Mr. Snuffles in hand and walks to the side near Mulligan.
5: It's one of the things where you, you mentally send that message out, get up calmly and take a step to the side as this thing barrels forward with the raptor <laughs> <laughs> behind it and <laughs> 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 this big steps of this robot coming after it to punch it again.
0: <laughs> she, she does not feel the need to commit more than is like only absolutely required of her.
1: Laura is gonna like quick jerk her reptilian head towards Virgil,
0: take the orb.
1: And she runs in to go and bite it, and then kind of like suplex it onto its back, so the orb uh, on its stomach is facing up. Oh,
5: the like jam at its center. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. So here we go with the bite.
5: I got an eight. Okay, Nick's Success. No bonus effect. So you're just gonna trade harm. What does your bite do? Three harm.
0: Oh, did you use your plus one from me, by (sighs) the way?
5: It would still be a nine.
0: It so. would be a nine,
3: but. Can I attempt to help out? Maybe Mulligan could attempt to help out. I'm just gonna come in like with a, yeah, and like give him a fucking sucker punch. Hell yeah!
5: <laughs> just body check this thing. Yeah. <laughs> just like, oh god damn it! All right.
6: <laughs> Mulligan with the steel chair. Oh
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would do. However, I've rolled a four. <laughs> okay.
0: I feel like I should have just kept my mouth shut. <laughs> no, it's fine, it's fine. This is storytelling.
3: Yeah, no, that's what I prep myself to do.
0: This is the <laughs> this is the fun of, of Monster of
5: the Week. Bite does three, two of it gets through. You are able to sort of lift this thing, but you don't get off the suplex maneuver because it, two of its starfish tendrils just sort of to the ground and lock itself in place. You kind of jerk and pull back at it with your dinosaur neck, uh, and it's not coming off the ground uh, if it doesn't want to. I'm leaning back and like trying to kick at its legs that are holding on, but it's not doing
3: anything. I'm just getting my shoes dirty. Yeah, you,
5: you kick at one of the, the tendrils, and another tendril, because it's a starfish, it just bends backwards and th- th- suctions to your back, Laura, and then flings you forward in a reverse suplex into Mulligan, and you both will go sprawling in, you know into the tiled floor of the museum. And that is another tentacle slam, and I'll say it's... The two harm to you, Laura, and then Mulligan. It'll be one harm to you by getting knocked over by a raptor falling on you. That's real. Uh, but Virgil, that means you are now the only one currently
4: engaged.
6: Cool. Yeah. I mean, I see this thing suckered to the floor, and Virgil just like takes his large arm and reaches under the poncho and pulls out, and I quote, huge handgun. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Is it a huge gun that fits his hand? Like yeah. his huge hand? Yeah,
6: it's, it's the size of like his huge hand because ah, okay. Virgil okay. was made by Samuel Colt. Yes. Uh, and so he made a custom Colt 45. This is the Colt 666. Ooh, Excellent. Ooh,
5: incredible. Can we make the addendum that you reach the hand under and pull it out and it is literally a handgun? It's like an attachment that just sort uh, and, you know, transformers itself to be part of your hand. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. It can still look like a cult, but I just love the idea of, you know, you're a homunculus. Why would it not just integrate into you? Yeah. It's it's
6: like partially well animated and like made of the same materials that he was made from in the first place.
5: It's like loading itself from a chamber that opens up on your forearm and like the barrels spinning on its own and everything. Oh yeah.
6: Yeah. The bullets are just the stones from yeah. in the first place. That's great. Gonna pull this out and take Laura's advice and aim right for the orb, as it were.
5: Okay, sure.
6: So that is a nine on the dice, plus two and 11.
5: Okay, what bonus are you taking?
6: Uh, I'm gonna say all impending danger is focused on me. I just hit this thing for three harm. Oh
5: my god. Sheesh.
6: This thing is going to see me as the biggest threat, quite literally.
5: <laughs> okay, yes. Slow motion, barrel shot, casing ejected. Um, one of the, or I guess, well, yeah, there needs to be a casing to make it, like, fire. Or maybe it's, like, I guess it's maybe more like a rail gun where it just, like, accelerates the rock through the barrel.
6: Part of the rock chips off and you see it fly off of it, but then you yeah. see it, like, the lightning from my body snatches that and just reintegrates <laughs> it back into Virgil.
5: Cool. So this rock flies forward, does smash into that, like, crystal, and you see a little crack appear in it, and the starfish creature, the Yahoku, is knocked back into, like, one of the glass exhibits, and we have colorful glass smashing everywhere, different plants falling down as they're smashed by the large form of this thing. The danger focused on you is that while you were firing this from one arm, you weren't really paying too much attention to the other, and you look down and see now that the arm that got hit by the laser has begun to crystallize and spread down to the fingertips and it continues to spread up the arm. We can jump back to Echo if you wanna try the thing you were talking about before.
0: Okay, I would like to, yeah, try to use magic. Well, I mean, again, I don't know if the spirit thing is like bad or whatever, but I guess we could try to just either like separate it or or banish it or something. So I wanna to try to to do that. Let me see how that goes. Ugh. Okay, that's. Oh, that's oh, already an 11 plus a, uh, 14. a 14. <laughs> oh my <laughs> I've god. I've done it.
5: <laughs> you reach out and try and find again that angry voice that was less the sort of base instinct of this starfish creature and was more just constantly hammering home
2: Rage!
5: Fight! Fight! Kill! Destroy! And you send a sort of force of psychic energy to remove that from the mental space of this creature and we sort of have the image of echo raising her hand clutching mr snuffles and the gem on the starfish (coughs) cracks 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 that red lightning flashing from inside shatter now the gem itself doesn't actually shatter but this is all sort of in the psychic representation of things happening and being released and sent outwards and uh, you feel your hair sort of blow back as the red lightning streaks past you. You almost see it slow down, and a face with a half mask and a red, molten eye glances at you as it (coughs) vanishes away. The starfish creature limply sort of (coughs) struggles to rise and kind of lays amongst the glass and, and plants and seems mostly to be subdued at this point.
0: So because a lot of that was all like in, in the the realm of the mind and whatnot, did anybody else see that happen or like was that just me?
5: Mulligan, you would have seen the red lightning flare to life in the gym and then extinguish. And it does not flicker in there anymore sporadically. You like watch it for a few minutes and you just don't see that red crackle anymore.
0: Yeah. She she turns to Mulligan and she's like, I uh, I think I fixed it, but I saw something else. There was uh, some other spirit or monster or something, but um, I don't know where it is. I think it's gone.
3: Um, uh, okay, um, that is, and I, I, in my peripheral vision, I noticed Virgil start to sort of shift. Their weight a little bit.
5: You do see that Virgil's one of their arms is becoming crystal. Yeah, that's still an active issue you have to deal with here.
3: That is uh, a question for another time. Head over to Virgil, and I could, I could maybe try to work this out, but I'm real bad at magic, guys.
0: Echo walks up behind him, and she looks at Virgil, and she goes, uh, "Do you want me to break it off?"
6: Um, not particularly. Um. <laughs>
0: you're so polite
6: I'd like to keep my construction the way it was can we talk to our starfish friend see if maybe they can undo this I I poke
3: around in my um in my pockets and I whip out a sort of shitty notebook that has various like arcane notes on it and it's it's like because the idea of of this is like, Anybody can attempt to use magic, right? It's a move that we all have as as hunters, right?
5: You have a very rudimentary, basic understanding of magic as an EC agent because all EC agents are required to have like general training in the arcane arts. Some specialize, but like.
3: In a pinch, I've got like first aid mm-hmm. type of understanding of, of that kind of thing.
5: Sure. I'm gonna
3: flip through it frantically and start muttering something with like horrible pronunciation, but I'm gonna try to use magic. And the effect I'm going for is cure a disease or neutralized poison.
5: Mm. Go for it.
3: Um, okay. Nope, that's a five. It's a six minus one.
0: Oh boy. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. I can't even really save you from that.
5: You are trying to cast this spell and you see a ring sort of appear on Virgil's arm you know, almost like a, a, a stasis lock of like, don't progress past this point. Uh, and it does form there and then you sort of like, and you don't quite get the pronunciation right. And the ring just sort of expands outwards and bursts and you are knocked back. And we see you sort of land at the feet of Prince Shallan. Shallan, help. What is the
3: problem? It looks like you defeated the beast. What's going on? Well, we got the thing out of the thing. I think it's good now, but Virgil's turning to Crystal. Oh my gosh. Oh, This is the first time I've
2: been
5: here to try to attempt something. Uh, Give me your arm, friend. Do you trust him? Reluctantly as all hell, Virgil holds out his arm. Okay, you hold out your arm. It's now like Crystal almost up to the elbow and you see Shallan reach forward with hands that glow golden and then teal and then sort of a a sea green like sea foam assuming that prince shallan can get any kind of bonus to this and i would think he does it's a six on the die even plus a one would get him to seven so That circle reappears on your arm, Virgil, and this time it locks in place, and it also cycles through those three different colors, pulses for a second, and then sinks into the stone and steel at your elbow, and the crystallization stops.
3: Oh yeah, that's definitely the one I was thinking of. I think I got the conjugation wrong in that last bit.
5: It's old magic. You
2: have to get it right. They were very strict back in the day.
6: Yeah. Can I still move
5: this crystallized arm and hand? I have a question for you. What crystal stone is it? Aquamarine. Very cool. Excellent. You you go to flex and you see a little crackle of lightning and then whatever the color of the alchemical energy within your body extend into the crystal. And from within, you see it bounce around like it did with the person who you touched to reanimate. And the crystal cracks apart and shatters into pieces, but coalesces and you have mobility of this hand, but it is now just made of pure aquamarine gemstone.
6: Oh, it's a, I guess a cosmetic improvement, thank you sir.
2: A bit of color in your life is never a bad thing, my friend, but congratulations, agents! Look at this, you have subdued the beast! I will, uh... Call in our containment unit and we can relocate it to a, a natural habitat. This is not
0: a land creature, clearly, from the looks of it.
3: Yeah, this guy's definitely good. I think he's just minding his own business.
0: I'm a little more concerned about the freaky thing that flew out of him.
3: We No, we got it. We're, we're good. I think we have this um, this thing under control. It definitely does need to go back into the sea, though.
2: I will get people here immediately. Thank you so much. Please, you must stick around. I know usually you need to get back to Portland, but uh, there is the festival and I'm speaking tomorrow on the importance of mundane and magical people working together. I mean, look at your team. You are the perfect example of
3: this. Yeah, we'll um, we'll talk about it.
0: Um, I don't do talking. Uh, sorry. You do not
5: have to speak. Uh, You don't even have to appear on stage. I can simply uh, mention you and uh, there are awards and and certain things the city can can give you. I'm sure it would be good PR for your agency, especially after the messy thing at Pike Place this morning. Yeah, I
3: think it would be a good idea if we stick around just a little bit longer.
5: Excellent. I'll have Iris uh, secure rooms for you at uh, one of the hotels downtown. This is fantastic. Thank you so much.
3: Yeah, thanks for... um... The thing with the magic just now that was
5: please it
2: is no trouble at all i'm happy to help Good thing i came along right
3: yeah yeah definitely yeah you, you can definitely tell that mulligan was was not wanting to be forthcoming with the uh, the, the the thing that flew out of the starfish mm-hmm. definitely like let's talk about that and then disclose it if we feel like that's a good idea
5: okay pretty soon you know a like animal rescue division or like maybe the whatever the new supernatural wildlife relocation division of of city ordinance and and public workers show up uh, and they manage to lift this giant starfish thing into a tank they're able to like sedate it and it is rather hurt it was in a big fight with you all so it doesn't seem keen to use that crystallizing ray on anyone and even with the crack and its gem you're not sure if that would be possible for it at the moment until that heals and scars over. You hear in your mind, Lara, a shame
2: to lose such a delicacy. But Shallan is right. It belongs in the sea.
1: I don't know if I would call it a delicacy. I mean, it was all corally and crunchy. What would you know? You have no
2: taste. A shame to see it go to waste. <laughs>
6: <laughs> I think later, maybe, or in the back of like an Eastie agency van.
5: You guys probably had a vehicle you brought to town, yeah.
6: And we're kind of uh, debriefing as we're getting through the rest of things and Virgil looks over at Mulligan and Echo and says, You guys said that you saw something come out of our aquatic friend.
0: Yeah, uh, it was some kind of like spirit. I don't know, she was saying stuff about like rage. Had this like red glowing eye, very spooky. Pretty cool, actually. She left right after I did that. I don't know where she went though, so hopefully that won't be a problem for us.
3: I mean, there's going to be a problem down the line from that. We need to decide whether we think we should tell Shalon about it to keep an eye out for it.
0: I don't like him. Me neither. He talks too much. If it's at all
6: possible, maybe we should send it up the line to have someone at the Agency keep an eye on Shalom and what's going on around here. If that thing was peaceful and something was making it turn against humans and cause some trouble, it's awfully convenient to have a task force come in and solve your problems for you, right?
3: Yeah, it's. I'm, I mean, it's only a matter of time until it starts influencing something else or, or whatever. I'm guessing it's some sort of possession just going off of the information we have. But Shallan definitely rubs me the wrong way. I think we should get a a bit more of an investigative team out here with more of a exorcist or spirit tracking proficiency. And uh, now that we know a little bit more about what it is.
5: Is there anything from your team playbook that you guys would like to employ here?
6: It gave us so much stuff and my brain's like, I've dumped all of that information.
0: All I can remember is fine dining and breathing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we technically didn't fill it out before game,
5: but there is the enemies option here. And while none of the ones that are listed, because they're just sort of generic if you can't come up with your own. If we wanted to say something else, Mulligan, you know that the whole reason that magic is a public thing now is because of an event in Atlantic City, New Jersey that happened a year and a half ago where a bunch of demon spawn attacked a group at the Hard Rock Casino Cafe and Resort. And uh, it was this huge public battle that the Easty Agency had to rapidly respond to and contain, but couldn't sweep under the rug because of the scale of it and the numerous bystanders who were there filming it live when it happened, it being such a tourist spot. So definitely high on the list of like existential threats to general security for you know the country and just on the ec agency's list are the demon lords who you know exist in a realm separate from this world but send their influence and monsters into this realm in order to wreak havoc and prey upon human life force And given what Echo described about this, like, red lightning racing out of a creature and all it could do was scream things about raid, destroy, kill, that definitely would align with one of the demon princes, Azazel, and her domain of wrath.
3: Hmm. We definitely need to send this up the line, and I definitely don't think Shalon needs to hear about this just yet, um, but we may be trifling with demon lords here.
0: Ugh, does this mean I have to do more work? <laughs>
6: another monster, another week. Experience is the best experience. <laughs> <laughs> and Virgil just, like, tips his hat down and
5: leans back and goes the fuck to sleep. He shuts down for the night in the hotel room you guys have.
0: The more you know graphic flies across the screen. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I
3: check my watch and I'm like, I'm getting pretty close to overtime here. So I'm definitely going to have to call it for the night, though.
5: You guys can settle in to the accommodations that Shalon sets up for you. And the next morning, you are given an itinerary by Iris Bashir, who shows up and says, Prince Shalon will be speaking at the festival around noon today. It would be wonderful to have you all there in attendance but
4: please attend the festival to your uh, discretion our office will be in touch thank you
5: so much again for helping to put an end to the attacks of course thanks for the invite <laughs> it's our pleasure so she toddles off and you guys can arrive at the festival and it's a very public event where lots of mundane people are being encouraged to come and like interact with paranormal members of the community It's just like a mixer event to sort of build community trust and and integration. After a while, you know, there's music playing and that settles down. Iris comes up to a podium. She says, Good afternoon, everyone.
4: I hope you're all enjoying the festival. In a few moments, our city chief of Paranormal Relations will be coming out to speak. If you'd like to take a seat for the address, we'll be starting shortly.
5: And she goes back behind the little grandstand they've got set up. A few moments go by, people take their seats, settle down. Uh, it's probably Commissioner Gibbs actually comes out on stage in his like, ceremonial uh, suit uniform. And he says, uh,
2: I'd like to welcome you all to the first annual Magical Mundane Mixer Festival here in Seattle. We've been making great progress towards community amalgamation between our paranormal neighbors and our normal citizenry. Sorry, mundane citizenry. And we're working on it, folks. I'm getting the vernacular. We're working on it. Uh... And uh, now I'd like to welcome to the stage Prince Charming.
0: And there's clapping and applause, and we're like, "Woo, Prince Charming!" Why does he have to scream? He has a microphone.
1: They always do that. They just love being loud. It's like an old person thing, right? I I wouldn't know, really. <laughs> oh, I guess you don't count, Verge.
5: A few moments go by. Iris comes out from behind the stage. She runs over, whispers something into the commissioner's ear. What? what? Hang on. Hang on. Commissioner goes behind stage, Iris stands there kind of at the microphone, like, wringing her hands. A few more minutes go by. Mulligan, your phone rings.
3: No, I've got to take this, sorry. I I do that thing where I, like, duck behind something. You duck behind Virgil. You duck behind
5: Virgil? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
3: You go under his poncho.
5: You get a call and it's a frantic voice on the other end.
2: Mulligan! Mother, did you cry help me out? He's going crazy. He's trying to kill me. Mother, again.
5: You hear the voice of Fletcher Lapuka. Oh dear God, where are you?
2: Downtown. I'm at to the needle.
5: I'll be
3: there as quick as I can.
5: You guys see there is now commotion. People looking around. Like, where's Prince the Commissioner comes back, shakes his head, shrugs, and Iris sort of steps forward. Uh,
4: something has come up in uh, Prince Shallan's schedule but uh, I'm happy to speak on his behalf.
5: Pulls out the papers and starts giving the address. As that sort of fades into the background,
3: guys, we got another lead and we got to get going. Looks like Fletcher's got uh, more dirt for us. Like an emergency? Yeah.
5: Oh my God, you're screaming from the phone.
0: <laughs> is, is the little fuzzy guy okay? Because I like him.
5: One way to find out. Okay, fine. You guys get up, virtually put your hat on, you guys quickly leave the scene of the festival and head back towards the Space Needle. All the while you hear you know Fletcher saying,
2: I know this is what happened Mulligan, this always happens when you get me there. Fucking, why do you have to come by me all the time?
3: Hey, listen, I'll be there I'll be there quick as I can. You just keep yourself somewhere safe.
0: I don't know how well that's gonna go. He keeps shooting lasers at me. Oh no, lasers.
3: Wait, wait, wait. When you say lasers, do you mean disco lasers?
0: Yeah, they're like all bright and sparkly. He keeps turning things into crystal.
3: Guys, the thing is back. The, the, the crystal starfish is back and it's got it out for Fletcher.
0: What do you mean? Uh,
3: so where are we going?
5: You guys are hurriedly headed towards the Space Needle where Fletcher said he was running to.
1: Laura looks at Mulligan. I'll meet you there. And then. No, 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 don't run off. Sh- shifting, <laughs> using her preternatural speed, sprints off towards the needle.
5: Mm hmm. Damn it, she always does this.
0: You really do need, like, the kid leashes for all of us. <laughs>
5: Act under pressure. I will say that Virgil, if you wanna also act under pressure to keep up with Laura, you could maybe pick up Echo and Mulligan in two arms and go into that four-legged sort of mechanical sprint as well.
1: So here's what happened. Did you both fail? I got a six. Oh no but when I use my preternatural speed to run chase or flee, I take plus one ongoing. Okay. Does that activate immediately?
5: Sure, you're running. Okay, so that's a seven. All right, you're exposed to trouble or danger. We'll get to that in a minute. Virgil, how's your running check going?
6: So uh, in our session zero, we didn't talk about the usage of luck points for these characters. (laughs) Um, I feel like right now, this is a uh, pretty great moment to discuss
5: uh, what our limitations are. You've got one luck point for the whole session. Uh, Yeah, I think I'll spend that now because I rolled a three. Oh, (laughs) All right, cool. Then turns it into a 12. So you're easily able to scoop up Echo and Mulligan so they can keep up and you chase off. As I'm like undoing my tie and like, God, I should have worn my other slacks.
3: (laughs) You just sweep me up (laughs) off my feet. My stretchy slacks. (laughs) I wore my festival slacks today.
0: (laughs) I would also like to add that Echo puts Mr. Snuffles on top of his hat but like it, <laughs> somehow it doesn't fly off. It just attaches itself to his mm-hmm. hat. So it's well, just hanging the magnets
5: on. you've sewn into his little bear feet.
0: Yeah, it's true.
5: <laughs> yeah, it's
6: like watching a bear run at something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I have a a small...
0: You have a smaller bear on top of your head.
5: (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And two horrific Hulk arms holding people like chairs on your back as well. (laughs) Oh, I love it. God, Virgil is such a cool like image in my head. Just this like enormous anime mecha made of stone and metal.
3: I love the addition of like a construct like this into this situation. Yeah. Just like so unlike anything else.
5: You guys rush towards the Space Needle. And as you arrive, you turn a corner up some like concrete steps. And Laura, you're the first to bound forward with your pretty natural speed. And you see Fletcher the Pooka running along the ground saying,
4: oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I don't want to die.
5: and gets hit by the disco laser with all its kaleidoscope lights. It hits him in the tail and he kind of trips and stumbles and falls down the steps of this area you're in and just kind of lands into a bush or something like that. You look in the direction of the laser and you see standing there in now a gold suit, still with the turquoise basket and gripping a tentacle with the amber core attached to it, but only one tentacle at this point of the starfish is Prince Shallan with a hand raised, covered in dark green seafoam scales and crackling with that energy. Oh, no. And Virgil, you skid forward and everyone can see there is Prince Shallan as he stalks forward very slowly.
1: Laura looks up and she goes, huh, not a metaphor, actually a dragon. You were right. You were right
3: the whole time.
2: You can be sure I'll never lie, for I don't want you to die.
3: <laughs> can I scamper over to Fletcher real quick? Uh, you can, yeah. I want to get up next to him, and as he's starting to crystallize, I'm going to be like, It's okay, buddy, I'm here. I've got something for this. And I pull out the He Man thing, and I whip it around his neck. <laughs> <No>! <laughs> and I hit the button.
6: So, what the when <laughs> I'm crying, it plays <laughs> the music. <laughs>
3: And then I start going through the, the, the use magic again to, uh, to to prevent the crystallization.
5: Okay, well as as you put the thing around his neck, he just looks at it looks up at you and is like, you're ice cold mulligan <laughs> and turns to crystal. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll say Fletcher, but not now. <laughs>
3: Damn.
5: Yeah, and you turn and you see Shallan walking, dragging this like what remains of the starfish.
2: Ah, oh, agents
5: should have waited at the festival. I was just about to head over there. I only had this thing to wrap up first. Why
0: are you trying to kill the cute little thing? You caught that miscreant not
2: 12 hours ago, and now he is back out on the streets, making the magical community look terrible and
0: dangerous, untrustworthy to the mundane citizens. You're not really doing a good job yourself, just saying.
5: He sneers at you and looks at you Mulligan. You are a veteran agent. You do not think your system of human laws was
2: able to force someone like King Octopus out of the city?
3: I'm gonna shoot him. You just shoot him, pull out? Yeah.
5: Go for it. Roll kicks like, right, enough of this.
0: Been monologuing for far He's too long. He's monologuing. Yeah, get him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking get
5: him. <laughs> Amazing.
3: Oh, no. Oh, yeah. well, what is it? Well, um, with a plus zero and tough. Shaky hands. That's gonna be a two.
5: Oh, no. <laughs> He catches the bullet in the scaled hand and kind of just pulls it away from his face, which is starting to grow scales on one side of it as well. He says,
2: no, agents, it was not clever posturing. I bested octopus in
5: titanic
2: combat.
5: His body explodes, growing wings and a tail and elongating into this reptilian sea dragon.
6: Virgil pulls out the handgun and says, well, as the kids say, catch these. And fires.
7: (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
5: Let's go. As the kids say.
1: And Laura just darting forward, full speed ahead.
5: Yep. That is a nine. Okay. What's the harm on the cannon? Three. Okay.
3: Did I take harm from rolling a fucking two?
5: You would have, but you're too far away. But he is coming for you now.
3: I, I get up and I do the, oh, no, 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 no. And I start like slowly running away.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, just this enormous dragon starts running towards you all. I will say you see on his body, there are several scars amongst his like turquoise scales where it looks like old Regions where maybe the scales just were torn away as if by enormous suction tentacles, hinting at his previous battle. Mm -hmm. But you do see that in those areas, little bits of amber crystal are starting to form. As he's rushing forward, the one clawed hand brings the starfish, what remains of it, up into his mouth. And he takes another huge bite out of it and just tosses the remains to the ground as he consumes It's abilities. All of its
6: abilities? All the abilities that would be available to a starfish?
5: He doesn't have a central nervous (laughs) system anymore. Oh God. You're not gonna get me with biology of monsters
0: here. (laughs) Just because he can't feel physical pain doesn't mean he can't feel psychological pain. This is true. So (gasps) I would like to use one of my moves to psychologically give him pain.
5: (laughs) Go for it, Echo.
0: So I would like to use my worst nightmare move. So yeah, so if this works, uh, the target will see their greatest fear and take harm accordingly. Okay. So she lifts up Mr. Snuffles in her arms and says a bunch of very, very strange cryptic words. (laughs) And that is a, it's a 10. (laughs) It's a 10.
5: Okay, full success on your rote
0: enjoy your worst nightmare.
5: It just as harm as expected? Yeah, take harm accordingly. According to their great fear.
0: Accordingly.
5: Okay, according to their great fear. Interesting. Oh, very fun. You raise Mr. Snuffles forward, and as you say this, Jalan, bounding forward in his sea dragon form, Snuffles glows brightly like the sun for an instant, and rises up out of your hands and begins to grow in size, and a pair of gold wings extend out his back. And suddenly standing in front of you all is this gold silhouette who is the form of Aiden Brightwood, one of the agents at the Easty Agency who joined recently, a celestial. As Chalon races forward, Echo, you see in his eyes that flash of red lightning. And suddenly he rears back as this illusory form from Mr. Snuffles raises their hands forward and a pulse of gold light smacks into him and he kind of crumples and crashes into a, a concrete pillar to the side. According to the vision, that would be harm, and it's a weakness. Oh. <laughs> Dang. Nicely done. You all just see Echo raise the bear and then Shalon freak the fuck out and smash into the ground.
0: <laughs> I mean, I showed him his greatest fear. I, it, it's different for everybody.
5: So that's gun harm from Virgil, psychic harm from Echo. Lara, you're targeting with the raptor form?
1: Yes, so do I see any areas on the head, neck, or chest that are also missing scales?
5: Um, yeah, I mean, they're kind of all over. Not really the face, but like from neck down, this dragon's body is covered in old injuries. All right, um, and in this universe, dragons
1: are reptilian, correct?
5: Dragons are spirits. So yeah, like yes, they appear reptilian, but some of them have fur, some of them have bark, some of them have like moss growing on them. Dragons tend to represent sort of natural aspects of the earth, and Shallan being a sea dragon, there's like a shimmer of waves to his scales as they hit light, and I'll say like behind the ridged horns that extend from his head are sort of some like fish fins and maybe like a, a bunch of kelp in different colors that extends back and maybe his horns themselves appear as like coral.
1: So Lara, in her studies of creatures that perhaps younger cultures of the world would have considered dragons, perhaps assumes where its heart would be. And she, in her sprint, is going to leap up with a clawed hand into a exposed scale. Sure, go for it. Come on, dice, Don't fail me. I still have plus one ongoing, so that's cool. Shouts out to that. Are you chasing, fleeing, or running? I'm running in. <laughs> Maybe I'll give it to you.
5: Go ahead and roll.
1: <laughs> With the plus one ongoing, uh, that'll be a 10. Okay. So that is three harm, and my clawed hand will pierce the heavens. I'm just trying to go <laughs> as far into his flesh as I can. Sure, sure.
5: What bonus are you taking on a 10 plus?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. I'm just so not used to uh, any of my attack rolls succeeding.
5: Yeah, you're used to being slammed into the ground.
1: I am going to inflict terrible harm, so an additional harm, so four total.
5: You claw into this thing, he roars and will come down and bite at you because you are a much smaller creature sort of clawing into him. The bite is five harm coming at you.
1: I just have a quick question about that. Mm-hmm. Seeing how it's the next day, did we heal at all from the previous day's harm?
5: You could heal one. Okay,
1: okay. <laughs> so, um my battle awareness reduces that by one. Um yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty hurt. Are you unstable? I do only have 2 more hit points away from being dying. So you're definitely
5: so. unstable then. Once
3: you pass 3, yeah. So
5: Um, if you'd like to protect Lara, Virgil, you could come in and get in on this fight to try and take some of that harm and share it.
6: I'll definitely do that because of my guardian purpose. I get a plus one when I protect someone. Nice. So I'll be rolling with a plus three. Block that mouth. Don't let me get bit. (laughs) So I got four and four plus three, which is 11. So I am going to protect them. Okay. I'm going to suffer some or all of their harm. And then I am going to pick an extra. I'm going to say I hold the enemy back. So I'm going to prevent them from moving forward. So how
5: much damage? So it was five coming in. If we split that and say two to Lara, three to you, then your battlefield awareness will reduce one Lara. And if you have any armor from being a construct, Virgil, you can apply that as well.
6: Yeah, I have bulwark as part of my gear, so I have one armor. So I'll just take two arm. Okay. Awesome. So I am no longer unstable.
5: Virgil, you come up. What does this protect look like? Do you just like catch the jaws and like hold them open? (laughs) Or pry them off of Laura kind of a deal? I
6: think what happens is I I, like move in and I hold up the crystalline arm and like catch the Mm. the teeth as it's coming down, prevent it from like chomping down fully on both of us.
5: Cool. Yeah, as you hold the arm and Laura gets a tooth out of their like legs, they crawl down off this thing. You sort of hear just gutturally from within Shalon's mouth as he says,
2: What a shame to lose so many promising agents. Perhaps we will turn your statues into a memorial.
5: And from within his throat, that sparkling disco energy starts to shine. And I need everyone to act under pressure as he... Ah! breathes out the starfish laser at you all. Oh no,
6: Um, I got a six. I rolled a seven minus one, so that's a six.
0: Oh no! No!
6: <laughs> I
3: am rocking out with a 10. Okay, so you're fine. How
0: are you the one that was able to avoid it compared to all the rest of us? <laughs> How'd you do, Echo? Four! Four? <laughs> oh no! Somehow <laughs> Mulligan is on his like Swift dodging moves. Yeah.
5: Oh my goodness. Ah, fucking laser thing shoots forth out of Shalon's mouth, hitting every single one of your agents, Mulligan. What are you doing?
3: I'm probably the worst option to have survived that. Mulligan, seeing this all, I'm gonna look at the situation, assess it real quick. I'm gonna say I dodged it by sort of dipping behind a behind a car. Just gonna call home real quick. Just gonna whip out the phone and and then call in to the agency okay and i'm gonna give a quick mayday i'm gonna i'm gonna call this one in and as quickly as i can give all the information i have on Shalon and uh what he was doing and his and his powers uh uh-huh. and what he's posing as because i'm not positive we're getting out of this so i want to make sure that Someone gets in here and takes care of
5: this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I'll say that you sort of duck behind this thing and Shallan, seeing that he's hit and crystallized, the rest of your team just sort of, Ah,
2: not that. There's still a city to clean
5: up. And he begins to stomp towards the space needle and climb this thing like a Godzilla kaiju. Now, Mulligan, you see the starfish, the one remnant of it that's left, sort of lying in the grass, blinking, 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 that little amber crystal as all the tentacles have been torn from it, but it's just sort of there.
3: After getting off as much as I can on the phone, seeing him climb the Space Needle, that's a bit conspicuous of a target. I'm gonna run over to it and I'm gonna say, oh, buddy, I'm sorry. This really didn't go the way we hoped for you, but if you work with me, we can maybe, maybe get just a little bit of vengeance.
5: The body of the starfish starts to move and ambulate slightly, as much as it can. And a little fresh tentacle grows out of one area where a tentacle should be and taps you and then points over at your friends who are still frozen.
3: Do you have a way to undo this? And I'm going to pick up the starfish and start walking over towards Laura.
5: As you approach Lara, the starfish gem weakly glows for a moment. And then as another tentacle grows up out of a a part where it was bitten away, a disco laser flies forward and hits the crystalline form of Lara. And you reanimate back to your old self, flesh and bone back to normal. Oh fuck. Starfish grows a third tentacle and sort of points over at your other friend with its different arms. Uh
3: I'll try to I'll try to unfreeze them.
5: Okay. Yeah. No trouble at all. You're able to bring the starfish over and it l- zaps them with like a slightly different shade, sparkly kaleidoscope laser, and they uncrystallize. Virgil, your hand that was aquamarine, back to normal again.
6: Oh that's disappointing actually. I quite like the color. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah i'm personally i'm thrilled that i no longer look like that because i hate anything sparkly that actually
6: seems quite on bread for you
5: So this little tiny starfish now who has much smaller tentacles, weakly the light in the in the crystal kind of beep 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 and it like seems to be like resting and like might have overdone it a bit. But your friends are back to normal and you hear a roar of a large dragon getting to the top of the space needle and flapping its wings, creating sort of storm winds around the bay here. And you see dark clouds gathering. I have
6: an idea an appropriate response. We're at the ground <laughs> level outside of the Space Needle. Mm-hmm. Is there a junction box around? Like one of the like, you know, those large casings that you see just around cities that like have basically like breaker boxes and things like that inside yeah, of them? like a transformer. Mm-hmm. If one of those is around, what Virgil is going to do, because his second animating force is lightning, mm-hmm. he's going to try and supercharge himself. Mm-hmm.
5: Oh, God. Okay.
6: And so with his left hand, he's going to like punch in and just grab a hold of a transformer. And with his other hand, he's going to raise the Colt 666.
5: Okay. I guess use magic? Yeah, see, that's the thing is like,
6: this is my animating force. So I, I have recharge, which means I can repair myself with my animating force, but I'm not looking to repair myself. Well, what? how much can you repair yourself for? On a 10 plus, I can repair myself for up to three harm. I think
5: the reverse of that is totally plausible.
6: Sounds good to me. Yeah, Virgil will just raise the Colt 666 and aim carefully and take the shot. Okay. That is a seven plus two, a nine on
5: the kick some ass roll.
0: Could one of us help out? Laura, and Echo,
5: couple things. Echo, when you were hit with the crystallization laser, as you crystallized and the power was hitting you from Shallan, you heard that voice again.
2: Rage, 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 rage.
5: And I'll say you can put together that because Shallan was a powerful spirit, at the gardens when you banished it from the starfish creature, it immediately found a new home. So, in order to really solve this problem, you're probably gonna have to try that again. Now, you're at the ground level. Lara's super fast when she wants to be, and the dragon is at the height of the Space Needle. If you want to help out, you could try and get up there to banish the spirit in time for Virgil's lightning cannon to knock Shallan to his senses.
0: Let's do it. Let's go.
5: It'll be act under pressure, preternatural speed, and use magic from Echo.
0: Okay. All right, cool. So Echo turns to, to Laura and is like, hey, um, so if this is going to work and we're all not going to die, I need you to help me get up there. Can you do that? I can do it. So here we go. (laughs) Hey, don't fall to your death. Yeah. That would also be really nice.
6: That's how Mulligan helps out, encouraging words.
5: Do you hear Alt Zesh sigh in your mind? To
2: think a battle here in the garden, and we
1: must be a beast of burden. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, at least she's our friend. Can I eat the bear?
5: I got a seven. Okay, I mean,
0: that's that still works. <laughs>
5: Trouble or danger, but you do achieve it. How's your magic roll?
0: Oh, it was ten. Incredible.
5: Yeah, as Virgil is charging up the lightning cannon from this transformer box, Mulligan, you see Echo hop onto the back of Laura and then take off. We haven't mentioned it, but the reason that you have this like supernatural speed from Alt Zesh is because Alt Zesh. Being a Utah raptor, and a magical one at that, is a like ancestor to the Snipes,
4: which have appeared on previous episodes of the Storyteller Squad. The Snipes are
5: raptor-like bird cryptids who are super fast. You zip up and just run vertically, or maybe even in like a spiral around the Space Needle and get up to the top, dodging Shallan's tail as he tries to whip at you. Echo, you're able to send out this banishing psychic element again. And for a moment, you are locked in like an empty red space with dust and wind whipping about you. And you see this form occluded by the dark, dusty winds floating with the one glowing eye and the half-broken fox mask on their face. They just sneer at you and say,
4: I didn't expect to hold on to the sea dragon for long, but now I'll be watching for you, witch.
0: Consider yourself on my shit list. I'll take that as a compliment. Thank you.
5: Your psychic pressure, knocking them out of Chelan's mind. And as you land on the top of the Space Needle, Virgil, your electric cannon fires up like a lance, hits Shallan in the chest, and almost like a defibrillator.
6: I really like the idea of it being silhouetted in a way of like, do you know the the cover of like the Dark Knight Returns
7: <laughs> with, the,
6: with the lightning bolt, like just highlighting sure. the silhouette of Batman as he's jumping through the air. Exactly like that, but it's the space needle with a dragon on top
5: of with it. With a dragon on top? Yeah, it's a storm cloud. And just
6: like functionally like cloud to ground, just lightning connection.
5: As he's like gripping the top of the space needle, the lightning just continues to travel and arc up in a bolt. <laughs> and Shallan topples from the Space Needle. When he hits the ground with a smash, you then see his form begin to revert back into a somewhat humanoid form. When you find Shalon on the ground, he is no longer his human form or dragon form. Half his face has become disfigured in a large tooth grin with scales and those seem to like wrap down his neck, maybe down an arm to have one clawed hand. And he lies there weakly, seemingly freed from the demon possession, but not looking so great after this experience. At this point, the storm clouds pitter out into a light rain, which begins (laughs) a jet screams into your position <laughs> with the big Easty agency emblem on it, sort of like a, you know, Avengers-style jet appears, and the door opens, and walking down from the ramp is a man with a beige overcoat and sort of short blonde hair holding a large black revolver and a woman in a dark suit with white hair Extremely gothic makeup on and a large, like, buster sword on her back that she's getting ready to, like, fight with. As Agents Ross and Spiegel arrive, the cavalry here to back you up for a situation that was going poorly moments ago. Spiegel says, What's going on, Agent Lake? Seems like everything's all right.
0: You guys are really
5: late.
3: <laughs> it's been a long 45 <laughs> seconds, dude.
5: Ross sheathes the sword again. She just says, This is going to be a mess of paperwork.
3: Ah, my favorite.
5: And that is where we'll end this session as the Eastie agents have wrapped up yet another case and saved Seattle from some demon corruption, a misplaced cryptid, and a public official who's fallen from grace.
3: And I assume as we zoom out, we see the silhouette of the Space Needle and just the red face just flies past the camera. (laughs) (laughs)
5: Well, what we actually see as we zoom away from the Space Needle and Agents Ross and Spiegel going to congratulate your group on your successful mission, things like, not bad, rookie, and Ross to echo, I like
4: your look. Thanks.
5: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We zoom away from that side of the waterfront across the water to another section of the city where a figure in dark leathers and a motorcycle helmet, takes out a phone, holds it up to their ear, and we hear them say, Jalan is struck down, the plan worked. And we cut to a dark club environment in Portland, the deep end, as King Octopus pulls a phone to his mouth on speaker and says,
2: excellent work, Lena dear." Send our people in to start staking territory. <laughs> if Chelan can recover after such a damning public event, it'll already be too late. Seattle will be mine again. I've got to let you go, Lina. Some friends are here to talk business.
5: And this figure in the motorcycle helmet turns to smoke and vanishes. We see King Octopus set the phone down and he joins a grinning impish fey gentleman in a green suit, a woman wearing a face mask and a black lab coat, and a tall figure in a dark suit whose face is completely obscured by shadow. My friends, let's get to work! And we cut to black.
4: Excellent. Thank you, Memester of the Week, for playing with me
5: tonight. This is so good.
4: Yeah.
6: yeah. Of, no, of thank course. you for reaching uh, out. I'm so glad that uh, we finally got to do this because yeah, you yeah. messaged me about this a year ago. I feel uh-huh. like, yeah. <laughs>
3: Sorry, the Storyteller Squad for fucking up Seattle again, I guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Whoops.
3: Undoing all your hard Seattle. work. RIP <laughs> Seattle.
0: All of their infrastructure It's fine.
5: They're infrastructure. We have an adventured in Seattle. Shallan literally did kick King Octopus out. He was like a good dude. It's just that he got possessed by a spirit of wrath and then kind of got obsessed with cleaning up the city. Cool. Excellent. Still gave me
0: weird vibes, yep. man. I don't know. Yeah,
5: Very Harvey Dent. Like, it's not a, it's not a mystery. I'm making a two-faced yep. character for our third season.
6: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I picked up on it and I was like, this is great. I love this. The
3: fact that you the fact that we were talking about the Dark Knight immediately prior. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's tremendous. Very good red herring as well. Did
5: you really think it was the Starfish chasing Fletcher at first?
3: Um, oh, no. I would I didn't have a full grasp on what Fletcher's scenario was. I was like, is he still locked in a box? Like
0: <laughs> yeah. True. yeah. 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 Or I thought that like, I don't know, there was some weird like mind control situation going on where like the starfish was Mm. being controlled by somebody else, Mm -hmm. like, yeah.
5: I mean, Fletcher will be fine. The starfish can undo the crystallization on him and all the people that, you know, it turned to, to statues. And then it can yeah. actually be re- relocated. You guys can drop it off at like a coral reef somewhere where it will leave people alone.
0: And I'm I'm glad I didn't break anybody's hands or fingers off while they were yeah. crystallized.
5: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, best case scenario. And who knows, maybe yeah. Iris will take the position of paranormal. She's like a, a well-deserving assistant who deserves a promotion anyway, so.
6: Yeah. <laughs> My wife's gonna be pissed.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Where can people find Memster of the Week if they want to hear more of your adventures?
6: Uh, I mean, you can find us on any of the podcasting apps, uh, and you can also find us on Twitter at uh, Memster OTW Pod. All right. Thank you, Natalie. That was that was lovely.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's
4: all for this episode of our Expanded Universe series. Take care, adventurers. We'll see you next time. Adios.
7: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.